I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the actual intro for episode 415 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. If you were watching this live, you were probably wondering, Chris is talking, I hear nothing. Yes, the uh, Windows updates got me again, so I uh, had to reconfigure all of my audio stuff on the fly, but don't worry. Luckily, we got all that fixed 30 seconds into the show versus 30 minutes into the show because we got a pretty good one today. But before we get to all that goodness, let me uh, start and introduce my regular co-host. I'm Chris, joining me as per usual. One, Willie D. Nelson. At least I think it's him. Uh, no, this is uh, Bill Nelson, his uh, twin brother. He told me to fill in. I don't know what uh, to say on here, but uh, I'm glad to be here, everybody. So he must be the good twin versus the evil twin is all I can figure. And then, as per... We're both assholes. As per normal. <laughs> uh, Anthony Bachman also joining me today. Yeah, apparently, yeah. I, I got all the hair. And somebody shaved our willies. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Quarantine's making shit weird, people. It's making shit weird. No, he's out doing something. I don't know, man. He paid me 20 bucks to come here, man. That's all I know. 20 bucks, he paid you way too much. Just saying. All right, man. 20 bucks, 20 bucks, and I ain't gay anything, man. But you know how it goes. <laughs> well, we do have an exciting show for you today. We've got one of our favorite guests lined up. So I'm going to toss things over to Anthony to do the intros here because we always defer to him when it comes to the comic side of the house. Uh, once again, I'm lucky enough to be on an email list and get a little uh, get uh, updates before some things happen. So I was lucky enough to know that uh, a, a Kickstarter project was coming. Got to check out the cool preview. And joining us once again, my favorite uh, detective and his boy Panther storyteller, uh, David Pipos is here. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, pleasure to catch up with you. And yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you guys about uh, my new Kickstarter project, the OZ. He's kind enough to have said it before the show so that we didn't make asses of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I Excuse me? Oh, other than Bill Nelson, of course. Well, Bill's uh, going to make an ass of himself no matter what. He paid me an extra $5 and make sure I make kind of embarrass him a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I said it, he was going to pay me that. Uh, he know he's good for it. Yeah, well, I paid you to make sure that, that, we, that we shaved that thing off, yeah. off, off your chin. You don't look recognizable you know? at all anymore, Bill Nelson. Well, well I, I never had that weird thing that he always did. He's always the hippie of the family. The black sheep, man. We don't ever liked him, to tell you I the think, truth. I think, I think you might have misunderstood when somebody said, when you shave your will, you look bigger. Um, you know, <laughs> I think you might have misunderstood the phrasing there. But oh, I think no, no, great. no, no. I went, to, I went from six foot four to about six seven, man. This thing is... Because uh, the gravity was <laughs> weighing you down. Pretty good. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was weighing you down. It was weighing you down. Yeah, it was beard. compressing my, the, the disc in my spine. And that ain't never good, man. You know that. <laughs> all right. So in all seriousness, what we are here for today, at least the first <laughs> half of the show, is David's got a Kickstarter. It has begun gangbusters so far. It looked like, what was it, funded in two hours? Hit the initial goal? Funded in two hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're at, uh, I think, 450% in climbing. Um, so that's that's crazy. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just it, refreshed the page. It says you've got 737 backers of 23 days to go. That's that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh, uh, yeah, but first things first. Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes are raised in Sin City. Uh huh. Then we get Die Hard at a wedding. Yep. So that, what is like the 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 two sentence? <laughs> yeah. Call for the OZ. The OZ is uh the Hurt Locker and Mad Max. If it took place in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, art, art, art now, I never seen the Hurt Locker. What's that about? Oh, the, the 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 Hurt Locker follows um, bomb specialists in Iraq, um, and sort of like seeing how how their high stress job has kind of affected them uh, in the field. Um, but yeah, it's it the OZ. Uh, we recast Dorothy Gale killing the Wicked Witch of the West as something like a botched regime change. And so when Dorothy clicks her heels three times and goes back to Kansas, she's inadvertently left Oz in this uh, power vacuum that leads them spiraling into years of brutal civil war. So our story picks up a generation later with Dorothy's granddaughter and namesake, who's a, a disillusioned Iraq war veteran. And this new Dorothy has really taken some some trauma and, and guilt and scars back with her from her time in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so um, she's trying to put the pieces of her life back together in Kansas when a tornado strikes and she's dropped into the war-torn land of Oz. So she's going to have to navigate her past and her grandmother's former friends if she hopes to survive the occupied zone, or as the locals call it, the OZ. Oh, I can only predict it's going to be a... Uh... Pretty easy getting those flying monkeys with modern weaponry, you know, little AK forty seven boom boom boom. Mm-hmm. We we uh, you know that's that was actually one of my favorite uh, visuals of the whole piece. Uh, we've got some boom, really boom, cool, boom. We got some cool stuff with the winged monkeys. Um, you know, if you thought they were dangerous in the Judy Garland film, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, yeah, it, it, when I when I came up with the concept, I realized very quickly like how you could definitely reimagine. Uh, L. Frank Baum's mythology as something a little more weaponized, a little more dangerous. Uh, the Land of Oz has teeth. And uh, our new Dorothy, uh, with her military training and with her soldier's eye, she's kind of the, 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 the perfect person to lead this, uh, this revolution. Uh, she sees the wild magic of Oz, and she sees it as a weapon to defend herself and those around her. And those are the kind of moments that have been like the most fun for me to write. You look at the Wizard of Oz's balloon, you wouldn't see it as a platform for a halo jump. But Dorothy <laughs> That's would. That's cool to think of, though. Yeah, Dorothy would. And so those are the sorts of things. You know, uh, I, I, I've said, and this is something that I talked with, uh, with my team a lot about, is I said, what's the Mad Max version of Star Wars look like? And uh, it, it, it's the OZ. Um, you know, we you got that grip. Hard sell me anymore. I'm sold. <laughs> I mean, I just pictured a bunch of leather and space. That's what I saw. But that sounds better. <laughs> what you said. You know, just the intensity, but also sort of that sweeping scale, that sense of wonder. Is, you know, while it's it's tarnished, it's still there. Um, just like in Star Wars, you know, part of the fun was the sense of scale and the and, and the stakes being raised accordingly. You know, you follow Luke from Tatooine to uh, to Dagobah to Hoth to Endor to the Cloud City to uh, the the trenches of the Death Star. You know, all these locations have their own internal high concept to them, their own unique vibe and, and, and everything else. So, um, yeah, the, the Land of Oz is the same way. Um, and I think that's really, that's, that's really cool knowing that, like, 
the bombed out Emerald cities can be very different than the deadly desert or the mountaintops of Ix or the wicked witch's castle. Um, there's so many different locations for Dorothy to have to navigate and they all have their own unique dangers and challenges and obstacles. So, um, yeah, this is, this is, I, I think kind of the biggest swing I've taken yet. Um, especially in terms of scale of this story and having written the whole thing, the, 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 the script is done, uh, with, with the whole series. Um, I'm really excited, uh, for where this story is heading. So how long have you been working on this one? Just, uh, has it been a part-time thing where you've been working on other projects or has this just been like a, a passion you've been going, I have to work on this all the time because I'm super stoked about it. Yeah, I, we've been working on this. I've been working on this for a very long time. Uh, this was actually one of three ideas that I came up with uh, in the aftermath of Spencer and Locke One coming out. Um, you know, I, I I've said this before in, in other interviews, but you know, in, in 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 hindsight, you see, you say, why didn't you have more stories planned after Spencer and Locke? And it, living in it, I can tell you, I didn't know if I was going to get any more stories after Spencer and Locke. You know, when you have a book that's what if Calvin and Hobbes grew up in Sin City, um, you either succeed or you fail, but you do it loudly. Like there's no quiet way of putting that book out. People and, forget The Walking Dead only went five issues. Yeah, you know, it, it was it, just a miniseries, and then it yeah. got picked up. Like, yeah, you never know when you go to when you go to print. You never know. Well, and especially with our high concept, I didn't know if I was going to get run out of the industry. And um, so, you know, it, it took a little while, you know, once once the last issue came out and people still liked it. And I was like, OK, I guess it's safe. <laughs> um, I, I, I came up with three more ideas and one of them was Spencer and Locke, too. I had to have that in my back pocket. Um, I had had volumes two and three in my back pocket when I pitched Jorge Santiago Jr. on it. Um Going to the chapel because I was the world's worst best man uh, at, at my oldest friend's wedding, so I, I, that was sort of being, you know, being worked on. And then the OZ, and um, you know, so we've been working on this for about three years now, um, in, in, in some capacity. And uh, you know, it's because I wanted to do something fantasy uh, related. You know, I'd already done crime. I was doing a, a rom com. Um, Sci fi is 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 hard for me. Like I've I've gotten better at it, but at the time. Um, it, it, it there's a lot more rules to it that I that I tend to get tripped up on, and fantasy on the other hand, it's all rooted in characterization and metaphor. You can explore a lot about a character and who they are by the abilities that they're able to manifest um, or the worlds that they're able to navigate. So um, yeah, I'd written down a bunch of fantasy inspirations, you know, things like Lord of the Rings, Lloyd Alexander, Piers Anthony, uh, Harry Potter. I wrote down The Wizard of Oz, and when I saw my cursor flashing on the word Oz, I was like, oh, you know, it's so short, but it's so iconic. You know, it could be like an acronym for something um, like like DMZ. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, it's the occupied zone. It's like it was and meant that's to what, be. <laughs> yeah, that's when it, like, it really hit me. I was like, oh, this is a war story. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, we've been working on this for a while. Um, and the way that it kind of happened, it worked out was, um, you know, Traditional publishers, even in the best of times, the the acquisitions pipeline can be very chaotic. Uh, you know, people their their attentions, you know, are, they 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 have short attention spans, and and things you know bombard them, and other books show up, and so we've we've had publishers who were interested in this book, and we'd sort of go through the same conversation every three months, um, where they'd be like, yeah, we're really interested in this. I'd be like, cool, send me a contract, and then three months later, we'd start the conversation all over again. Um, COVID 
it really exacerbated a lot of those things. Yeah, uh, sure. There's a lot of folks that are seeing, I mean, we've seen it in all industries and the yeah. COVID is just kind of throwing a monkey wrench into everything. And I'm sure it didn't help here. Yeah. It, with comics, you know, uh, people, you know, the acquisitions pipeline is narrowing. And on top of that, they're staggering things, you know, uh, books that would have been coming out, uh, you know, next year are now coming out in 2022. It's, it's, it's a real kind of staggered process. So I, um, you know, between that, you know, I'd already been thinking I wanted to do Kickstarter for a long time. Um, I have a lot of friends who've done it. Uh, my friend, Charlie Stickney, uh, from white ash, uh, my buddy, Ryland Grant, uh, who just finished his Kickstarter for the jump. Um, there's a whole collection of, of, uh, create comics creators here in LA who've all had success with Kickstarter and I'm friendly with all of them. So they've all been press ganging me for the better part of a year saying like, you really should do Kickstarter. You should really try Kickstarter. And the thing that made me realize maybe I should try Kickstarter was somebody told me, you know, there are some people that buy their books primarily at a comic shop and some people who primarily buy them on Amazon or Comixology. Mm -hmm. Some people primarily buy them at cons, which is, I had had a lot of success at, but cons aren't going to be a thing for a while. Right. And there are some people that primarily buy their books on Kickstarter. And I was like, oh, there's like a whole demographic of readers who are really passionate and really loyal and really devoted to, to, to things they like. And I have done no outreach to any of them. So for me, it's always been about like, how can I make the most accessible books? How can I make, how can I invite more people to the table and build a wider consensus? And so I realized that I could solve one problem with another. We already had two issues of the OZ done, um, and people were telling publishers were telling me, "Oh, well, we might not put it out until 2022." Well, why do we have to wait for permission anymore? Why don't we just put it out? I mean, and that's so the I nice feel like, thing with like, these tools we have like that nowadays is yeah. you can try and go out on your own and do it, which I've got to imagine is kind of daunting. But at the same time, you're like, "Oh, holy crap, this is awesome to be able to do it that way." Yeah. It, it builds on the pre-existing skill set that I've been lucky enough to cultivate with my previous books. Um, you know, like I felt like I knew how to write a comic. Like I practice, um, you know, I, I thought that I knew how to do the project management side of it all. Because again, like when you're an indie person, you're your own editor. Um, I knew how to do the publicity side just from my, my previous books and working as a comics journalist and working as a, a print journalist and working in publicity. Um, and and uh, at the same time, though, I didn't know anything about printing. I didn't know anything about production work. I didn't know anything about shipping. Now I do, which is really empowering for me as a creator. I think that was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle. Where now, if I've got an idea and I feel passionate about it, I I don't necessarily have to wait for a traditional publisher to sign off on it. I If I feel strongly enough about it and I feel like it's ready for prime time, I can go through Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, that is something that's really... Uh, I think empowering uh, as a creator because I feel like, especially with sort of how chaotic the world is right now and how uncertain things are both for the general economy and the comics business, I think creators need to be diversifying how they do things. And I think they need to be, they can't just wait for the problem to solve itself. They need to be proactive and really take control of their own creative destiny. That makes sense. I mean, especially as you're, we've mentioned before on this show that there's a lot of uncertainty in the comic industry right now because of a lot of what's happened at DC with budgetary pullbacks and a lot of people leaving sure. and everyone's wondering what's that ripple effect going to be for, for Marvel, for a company X, Y, Z, things like that. So sure. having the ability to put your work on Kickstarter and be like, Hey, you guys know me. I've done these other projects. Here's 
here's the next baby I'm bringing to you guys. I think you guys are going to love and you can go directly to people. And I know, for instance, Anthony, he's a big comic supporter on Kickstarter more so than me. I, I, I dabble in all sorts of different things in Kickstarter because I have an addiction to finding cool things and hoping they pan out. Technology doesn't always pan out on Kickstarter, just as a side note, but it's sure fun. Sure. But Anthony, I know in the past has been like, Hey guys, here's this cool project I found on Kickstarter. And I'm like, I never would have heard of this if it weren't for the fact that he's someone who deep dives into it and finds cool stuff and brings it to my attention. Yeah. I wanted to bring up the number because I wanted to see, because it's been a while since I looked. I joined Kickstarter April 2012. I've backed 264 projects. Nice. Of that 264, 215 are comics. Yeah. Wow. He's so, yeah, comic that, man. <laughs> I had a year where, honestly, I think in probably the last five years, I've gotten more Kickstarter books than I've gotten DC books. That's great. So, like, I mean, to me, the big three is Marvel, Image, and Kickstarter. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I think there's, I think there's something to be said about that. I, I feel like Kickstarter is, it's the great equalizer. It's sort of this, this, this hotbed of important indie voices that might not necessarily have had, not be, not because of, of lack of quality, but just because, like, publishers are a little conservative, like, which makes sense. They're the ones fronting the risk. So, you know, I think Kickstarter has been an important place, an important platform for these voices that might not necessarily have navigated a traditional publishing pipeline. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, the, the one worry that I have, and I think it'll be hopefully temporary, you know, and not long term, is I do think after this week, um, seeing, you know, uh, you know, our success, seeing Scott Snyder's success on Nocturnal, uh, his Kickstarter, I do. There is a worry that I have that there's going to be a lot of panicked direct market creators who are going to, you know, think that there there's gold in them, Nar Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing is, is that like Kickstarter, you really got to bring your absolute A game. Um, and I, I I hope that's something that that the Kickstarter market will will self select moving forward. Um, you know, as more and more direct market people throw in. That you know, people's eyes don't get bigger than their stomachs, and that they're really they're only bringing on the best of their work. I I have no interest in Kickstarter being turned into direct market 2.0. Completely agree with you, and we we touched on a little bit when we were talking before the show that we've yeah. sort of seen trends of Kickstarter policing itself so when it comes to projects that either shoot for the moon and don't deliver. And then the next time people come up, that gets remembered or just projects that come out and people go, I don't know if this is really what I expected. So like, like you said, if you're not bringing right. your a game, yeah, the Kickstarter community tends to remember. And then it's much uh-huh. harder that second time around, which probably also makes it more daunting when you first do your first Kickstarter, be like, Oh my God, what if there's something I'm not thinking of? And the community goes, what the hell? Why would we want to do this? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all about engaging your readership and earning their trust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like in, in the direct market, I, I've been really fortunate with the success that I've had. And, you know, it's been all about building, you know, a platform over the course of over a decade. And I feel like, you know, with Kickstarter, I'm taking that platform that we have and we're continuing to build on it. You know, I, I, what I would love to do is, you know, our direct market readers have really come out in force, I think, and uh, seeing that and introducing them to the Kickstarter contingent and then kind of having them break bread at the same table. That's, you know, really my goal is to sort of, you know, blur that division a little bit more and, and just, you know, have people who might not be aware of my work, discover it 
and then hopefully you know uh, stick around with us uh, when I've got more books down the pipeline, regardless of what the distribution channels might be. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. And the thing that I've always found is harder on the Kickstarter side, like the one-on-one, the fan engagement, getting interested fans on board is a lot easier. Yeah. I feel like it's the the retailers. It's harder. Some of them don't see the benefit or see the draw in Kickstarter. Cause I got a friend that runs a comic shop and I've talked to him about a sure. couple projects I've seen on there. He's like, ah, it's a Kickstarter book. I'll wait until it hits one of the bigger publishers and get it. Then I said, it may not though. <laughs> some of these things. Sure. Yeah. You, you know, it's, I think, I think the perception is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I it's changing so. in a big way. I think even since COVID, I think the, 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 the perception has changed a lot. I mean, when you have people like Scott Snyder, Saladin Ahmed, Jimmy Palmiotti, um, Cullen Bunn, um, you know, they've all had real success on Kickstarter. And there are so many books that have started on Kickstarter that, like you said, have found a second life at a, at a publisher. You look at uh, Black, for example, over at Black Mask. I mean, the, the the reason that got picked up over there was because they made an insane amount of money on their Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like... Um, uh, you know, Kickstarter is not the dirty word that it was even a year ago, right. where I think a lot there was a lot of perception of, oh, well, you know, it, it's only on Kickstarter because, you know, it, it was considered unpublishable. And now it's just more like, no, like like the, there are, there are books. You look at White Ash, which is just a, a superlatively good book. Um, you know, uh, mixes fantasy, mixes intrigue, mixes romance. Um, all with this like very down to earth Western Pennsylvania mining town as its setting. Uh, that's you know that's a book that any publisher would be lucky to have. Uh, and you know the 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 fact that it did such it had such a following on Kickstarter and now is enjoying a second life over at Scout. Um, so yeah, I feel like I feel like the perception is changing a lot, and I think some of that is because we're realizing that the traditional structures of comics might not be as 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 uh uh steady as we thought you know Mm -hmm. uh with the diamond shutdown um you know even though it was temporary it was sort of the entire industry got the brakes pulled on it with almost no notice and tough for the retailers especially when it happened yeah you know and i mean i i I gotta say as far as you know retailer stories it's a real catch-22 especially if, if you're a creator uh, you know, I have friends who, you know, were working with publishers where books were still coming out. And some publishers were like, thank God, this is a lifeline. And other publishers were like, what are you doing trying to push more product on me? I'm trying to pay my rent. And so, you know, there's there's no winning in, in yeah. that scenario. Um, and and I think, you know, between Diamond also sort of not just putting the brakes on the release schedules, but paying people, um, you know, that's that's something that I think a lot of creators are suddenly like, Oh, maybe those old, those old traditions are not necessarily as viable as they once were. And so people are starting to think, okay, how do I diversify? Um, you know, for example, I'm working on, you know, uh, bolstering my online presence. That was the first thing that I said I needed to do, especially once COVID was, was, was hitting, um, you know, focusing on my newsletter, focusing on, on my social media, doing things like Kickstarter. Um, you know, I think, that as long as cons are not a thing, and to be honest, at the current rate, I, I, I'm I'm not particularly hopeful that we're going to be seeing a lot of shows even next year. I tend to agree That's, with you on that one. You're not in a rush to go shake 1,800 hands over a Saturday Sunday. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, I, I I I feel like I feel like at this point, I'm I'm sort of saying like a year from now it might be safe. 
um, you know, which we're getting to the end of the con season. So we, you know, we might've wiped out 2021 at this rate. And so, you know, digital's the future. Like this is the way, this is the way that we're going to reach out to people. And so I think Kickstarter is a really important tool and platform um, for, 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 for that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, and what we can do with the comic shops, I mean, we're offering a retailer tier. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I think like you were, like you were saying, Chris, like, I think most retailers are going to do what you're saying, which is, oh, we'll wait and see if it gets picked up by a traditional publisher. But I wanted to make sure that we offered. Right. Uh, and that makes retailer. total sense. And I think some also, retailers are also just kind of a little gun shy right now as sure, everything's starting to it. reopen. They're like, I, I don't have the, the capital to start going out past just what I've ordered. Sure. Well, and on top of that, like, you know, I like Kickstarter inevitably is at a, is at a higher price point than something mm-hmm. you would get from, from, from uh, a traditional publisher. The thing that we've tried to do to sort of maximize that is, you know, uh, you know, we've made the the issue double sized. Um, you know, so it's it's forty four pages of story. We're adding in pinups. Um, we're actually uh, exploring options as far as doing enhanced covers. Um, we're talking with our printer right now about like what might work and what might look good. Um, so yeah, it's 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 uh, there's it, it's it's a it's a juggling or a balancing act, I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a different animal and it's it's actually you know i've said when i started this kickstarter and i was thinking can we make six thousand dollars in 30 days i said okay it's going to be like a whole new ball game and then we got funded in two hours and then i was like oh (laughs) i'm playing like dirk manning numbers then i'm then i'm like we're playing a different sport (laughs) yeah and it's it's like it's like playing on a on a different planet with its own laws of physics and that's been kind of the real fun for me is kind of figuring out it's it's the fun challenge of it all is sort of learning on my feet and being like, okay, like this is very different than the direct market. How can we keep building our readership and to make sure it doesn't look like a cash grab? Cause uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be making a lot of money on this book. Um, it's, it's uh, making sure that we can keep adding value so we can keep bringing in more readers and so figuring out what can we do to the book what can we offer in our existing mailing infrastructure and what can we distribute digitally and i think we've got a really cool combination of things um that that, that we've got waiting in the wings and more things that i'm we're sort of developing on the fly so um yeah it's exciting you know it's it's a it's a different way of doing things but i think it's something that ultimately makes me a better uh and more savvy creator and i will say in regards to all of your your backer rewards and stuff. You seem to have that right mix of whether you like digital stuff, whether you like physical stuff, you had pretty much hit all of those different niches that people like in there. So you don't have someone going, I really like this project, but there's not really an end product that, that I would want out of it or something like sure. that. So I just want to give you kudos in that regard. Cause there's Thank been you. some Kickstarters in the past I've looked at and been like, I don't necessarily have room on the shelf for more stuff. I'd love right. to support them and just get digital copies of it. And they're like, hey, right. digital, maybe we haven't figured it out. And I was like, oh, but that's, that's, that's See, what I, I need in some cases. Yeah, that which is always which is always crazy to me. Um, you know, I'm the same way. Like, I I I uh, I don't have Anthony's level of Kickstarter backing. I've I've only backed a little over 200. I've only got like um, 40. You know, so you guys beat uh, me. Uh, so, but Whoa. but but I consider myself like a Kickstarter lurker, where I'm more like ex- exactly what you're saying, Chris. Where like I live in a two bedroom apartment in LA. My bookshelf space is extremely limited. Yeah. Um. So I'm always like, but if I see something that's interesting. I'm like, well, let me get the digital version of this. Um, even if, like, I'll admit again, like, 
having just finished my my review tenure at Newsarama, I was bombarded with more comics than I knew what to do with. But it was my way of um, showing my support for you know a, a, a project or a concept or a creator that I was like they're doing something really interesting here. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm 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 a human cliche in the fact that like I'm I'm a I'm I'm a, a Jewish writer who lived in New York at one point and did uh, stand up <laughs> comedy. Um, you know, and and it's you're you're used to in that scene. You know, if you do stand up or you do upright citizens brigade, like you you pay to go to my show, I'll pay to go to your show. It, it, it's kind of the same mentality. Um, you know, for, for, for Kickstarter where I'm just like, you know, I'll pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, even, even if I don't necessarily get the chance to read the book, um, it's just sort of my way of just saying, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I'm proud of you. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, so I, you know, having, having digital rewards, I think is important. I think there are some people that that's how they prefer to read. Um, but having that print side in case people want that copy in their hands, or if they want our variant covers, um, yeah, that's, you know, we wanted to make sure that we, that we spread it out. If anything, my, my only, I guess, regret is, you know, again, you, you can only plan so much. Um, you know, had I known that we would kind of blow up in the way we did, I would have thought about other types of rewards, mm-hmm. um, just to add it to the mix. And that's something that I'll be taking into consideration for our next Kickstarter for that. that makes total sense. Um, because yeah, it's like you know you're 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 constantly having to learn, but at the same time you're also having to make sure that like what you do stays within your current shipping infrastructure, mm-hmm. because there are yeah. going to be a lot of people like like I'm sure that I could add in a whole bunch of crazy you know add-ons, but for the people who are only buying one issue and are not getting sent through priority mail, like is it really worth me adding three dollars or eating three dollars really of every single purchase? to add in like some some extra yeah like so you have to really kind of be careful with and postage is the killer on kickstarter yeah yeah i've seen i've seen campaigns that like did really 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 well and they just like completely shot themselves in the foot because they got too ambitious with their extras so Mm -hmm. that's the sort of thing that i'm like trying to be careful of trying to be cognizant of um, you know, uh, and making sure that anything we offer is something that we can, something that we can, that we can actually, um, deliver spam risk. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun calculus, you know, it's, it's solving no the Rubik's cube in a different way than writing comics, which is also solving the Rubik's cube, I think in, in a lot of ways. Gives you a better no. idea how, all, how it all works, <laughs> how yeah. the sausage is made. <laughs> Now you guys scared me just a little bit. You said uh, cons will be uh, out uh, next year, oh, no. right? I, uh, hear that perfect. Uh, I'm Maybe. a little worried about that because I have a con cousin, and he—I don't want him to get free next year, man. <laughs> I, that's not gonna be no good, nobody. Man. Different type he's, of con. Bill. He's not all <laughs> there. He got a <laughs> he, he got a metal plate in his head. He's never been right since. You showing up to San Quentin San Quentin Convict Con? Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, that would be a lot of people. Yeah, the, uh, the <laughs> SQCC is very popular this time of year. I right hear. Um, oh, well, I, I I think I'll look this up and try and get some tickets for them. Uh, then hopefully I won't see my cousin. Well, over it's there. only a unique way to get admission to that convention, Willie. You probably don't want to get uh, that kind of admission ticket. You don't want to be invited. Uh, h- who? You got to commit a crime to get invited to this con. No, right? no. Who's go- who, who? Who? Who are you talking to? Excuse me, Bill. I apologize. Oh, oh, oh! I, 
I, I know. We, we well, this, little... this is not going to get old real fast. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I got you, sir. It's all good. Uh, yeah, as they were talking about the stretchels and stuff, stuff like that, it's easy to overpromise, especially on the first project. I've honestly, I've seen projects where on their second and third Kickstarter, they're still sending out books from their first Kickstarter because they didn't have, they didn't make enough money to cover the shipping when shipping costs changed on them. Right. right. And then I've also seen, you know, like well-known artist writer creators. Like I, I backed up Paul Jenkins, Alberto Ramos book, Fable Quest that they did because none of the publishers want to pick it up. Great book. Like those are not guys that need to go to Kickstarter, but that was a book they wanted to do there. And they went sure. crazy on it. The book was oversized. It was gorgeous. They added all the little things to it and they got it to you on time. While I've also seen other creators who I won't name get their book published through Kickstarter and be selling copies of it at New York Comic Con before I got my copy, which I fucking paid for the book. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of little pitfalls and stuff. And yeah, you know, Kickstarter has a long memory. People remember yeah. there's there's people all back and I've backed a bunch of their projects. I've backed eight of Jimmy Palmiotti's paper films books because those always show up. They're on time. They are packaged well. The Amanda Connor prints are always fucking signed because, you know, the wife's in the house. So he has her yeah. sign everything like those two do great Kickstarter projects because they learned like this. These are the steps we have to follow. And if we do this, it works. Right. You know, it's, it's exactly like, like, you know, for me, the thing I'm, I'm most excited about, like we wouldn't have pitched this if it wasn't done. Um, really the only delay we, we have at this point, not delay, but you know, just because the book has been so well received, it's, you know, we're just getting our pinup artists now, um, you know, just getting, getting that, uh, uh, over the plate. And then, you know, I'm doing a little bit of designing just as far as our back cover is concerned and just figuring out our inside front and back cover, you know, with pull quotes and the like. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's like we're, we're going to have this thing sent to the printer in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, our printer works fast. There there's comics and comic impressions based in Florida. So like, you know, if COVID shuts down like they're not going to shut down they're considered an essential business and so yeah you know and i've 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 been like gaming how we're going to ship this stuff for a long time so you know i've got my i've got my uh my label printer i've got my stamps account i've got my (laughs) stamps uh my stamp scale um you you know we've got a ton of gemini mailers sitting in my apartment i've had although i've had to order more um, it's not you know, a bad problem to have here, though. <laughs> not not yeah. a bad problem to have is that is that when I ordered 300 Gemini mailers and realized that I am about half of what I need. Um, you <laughs> know, it, it's good left. too knowing it's good to knowing that you went with the U.S. printer because especially now in the time of COVID, I don't want to know how long a book would take to print and ship from China right yeah. now. Like, yeah, it's dear not. God. Yeah, <laughs> those delays try- were bad anyways <laughs> exactly so it's it's trying to sort of you know figure out the best way to do things um and and, and you know make sure that our readers are you know getting getting what they paid for and getting it in a timely fashion um right now our, our fulfillment goal is december um so you know get it in time for the holidays i think you know given given what we've done so far i think that's perfectly feasible um, you know, to be honest, we're still not going to be able to have a, a concrete number of how much we need from the printer until we get a better sense of what our numbers are going to look like. I mean, that's the craziest part of all this is that we're, you know, we're six days in and we're at 700 plus backers. We're probably closer to 750 at this point. There's 23 days left. 
Um, and you what, won't have an actual number until two weeks after your Kickstarter is over. Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of, you know, we're, we're going to do sort of a, a, I think a ballpark estimate, um, you know, once everything's kind of said and done, but at the same time, yeah, it's like, you know, how many variants are we going to print? You know, I, we've got a significant number of people who are asking for variants and, you know, obviously at this point this I have no idea which one, <laughs> um, you know, so it's just figuring out like how we're going to, you know, how we're going to do this and what's the smartest way of doing it. And, you know, thankfully I've been really fortunate that I've got friends like Charlie and Ryland and Russell Nahelty and Pat Shand, um, and, and a whole murderer's row of Kickstarter alums, all of whom have been very generous with their time and their advice. Um, and then just kind of figuring out on my own, all right, how do I do this? Uh, you know, my girlfriend and I were, we're, we're, we're ready, uh, to, to spend, you know, a week just packaging things. Um, you know, I've, I, my, my aunt actually lives downtown. She's been very generous that she says, if you, if your books wind up, if you have too many books, you can use my garage. Oh, nice. Uh, when as, the pallets arrive. Yeah. People forget how much space books can take up when you have to order a couple thousand issues yeah yeah you know i've never i i i've never ordered in that magnitude before um and so yeah figuring out like okay how's that how's that gonna fit will this fit in my two-bedroom apartment <laughs> you know um uh but yeah you know i it, it's a challenge that i'm excited to 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 hunker down and do this is the sort of work that like i i consider myself pretty good at um and you know i i think trying to to remind our readers you know uh, that we appreciate them i think that's really like the important thing for me um you know i'm going to be spending a bunch of time this week catching up on just our thank you messages um you know we've we've had so many of them that i haven't had a chance to really go through and thank everyone individually um but that's something i i want to do now and i think that's Uh, an awesome thing to do too because people will remember that so then when you have the next project come up like oh yeah i remember i I found fun of that one they said thanks we had some back and forth on twitter about things stuff like yeah people remember those kind of things and then they kind of hook on and be like yeah i'm invested in this because they spent 30 seconds to to make me feel more involved in things and people remember right it's 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 you know it's so interactive and so personal even compared to the direct market where I, I i think i've got a pretty decent twitter game um in terms of responding to people and and you know because i feel like if anybody's gonna you know spend their hard-earned money and and roll the dice on me the least i can do is thank them mm-hmm. um but kickstarter is it, it's it's so much more granular i mean you're really able to the, there's so much data and so much information and you can really kind of target your audience and really pinpoint accuracy and that's something that i've never you know even even twitter you're kind of you know throwing it and hoping that it sticks um so yeah it's 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 something that i'm really interested in learning and um and yeah i think uh you know it's 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 a very exciting process it sure is i i don't have the uh the wherewithal to be able to do it but it fascinates me when i see people do projects that are successful i mean one of the most fascinating things i had seen was a. I, you might, you guys probably aren't familiar with it. There's a guy named Justin Robert Young who hosts a bunch of different podcasts and also made a board, a board game, a card game for a political version of Cards Against Humanity almost. And he mm-hmm. and his buddy did a Kickstarter on it. And then he started doing an online lecture series on how I made, how I had a $250,000 Kickstarter and lost $30,000. And it was <laughs> like, he's like, here's my lessons of what I screwed up. I didn't factor in shipping. I didn't factor in what it would cost to make these things in China. And he goes, Kickstarter's awesome. He goes, but if you're not smart, it nearly kills yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds I, like I you've mean, been doing that homework and talking to folks that 
have been in and having that experience before and yes that's good <laughs> I, I i distinctly recall seeing a kickstarter that um that basically self-destructed over that sort of thing where like they were wildly popular and their eyes were way bigger than their stomachs as far as what their re- what their rewards would be they had all the sorts one where of the merch. guy burned the books after he got them yeah. Um, oh, whoa, whoa! We should have learned our lessons from burning books a while back. Yeah, we should have, but yeah, Kickstarter is an angel investor company. That's what people forget sometimes. Technically, once you give your money, that's it. There yeah. is no legal recourse. You cannot do anything. And some people, the stress of running a Kickstarter can be intense. And some people have literally had mental breakdowns because of it. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's. Like I said, it's a different planet with its own laws of physics. <laughs> and and so, you know, if you jump too hard in the wrong direction, you might find yourself in orbit. And oh. so I, I feel like, um, you know, we've tried to be as, as, as careful and, and, and conservative with, with, our, with our, our stretch rewards as possible. It's one of the reasons why we've got, you know, a digital comics extravaganza, uh, which we've unlocked. So every backer of the OZ not only is getting – you know, our the forty-four page first issue. Not only are they getting PDFs of Spencer and Locke number one and going to the chapel number one, but they're also getting like PDFs from like a dozen indie creators, including uh, Justin Jordan, uh, Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Ninja Turtles. Oh, there's the name. Nice. Oh, I heard. Uh, uh, I heard. I was waiting to see when that little uh, indie guy's name was going to get popped in here. Yeah, uh, you know, Frank Gogol, uh, Rylan Grant. You know, they're all they're all they've all been generous enough to throw in uh, material. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've actually, our digital comics extravaganza has been so popular. We've had so many creators who have been so gracious to offer their work that we're actually going to start staggering it. So that way for our next Kickstarter, that'll be a, a, a stretch goal. Nice. And, uh, you know, so that way, like you're getting the most bang for your buck, even if you throw in $5 or $10, you know, you throw in $10, you get everything you get, you get hundreds of pages of story for ten dollars i mean it's it's a deal that you you can't match anywhere and we've got some really cool you know cool creators if you haven't read the strange talent of luther strode for example or spread you're saying just the same i'm like i know i know that name i know it freaking luther strode that is yeah such cool Uh, books yeah you know i i I consider justin a real role model um as far as the way he does business so um you know it was a real no-brainer for me to reach out to him and ask um, and yeah, and we've got more creators who are reaching out all the time. So, um, that's why we, 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 we've only started, started with those, with those core group of names is because we're still figuring out how we're going to schedule all this and how we're going to stagger it. And, you know, which, which books would pair together better in the second Kickstarter or the third. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's figuring that out. Um, what I can say now is, uh, tomorrow we're going to launch our social stretch goals, uh, in addition to our financial stretch goals. So uh, I'll have a tweet up uh, tomorrow. And um, you know, once we have a certain number of likes and retweets, we will actually uh, unlock uh, a theme song that we have specifically recorded for the OZ. Awesome. And, uh, oh, and so you're going the uh, cyanide and happiness route. Yeah. And when we hit a, uh, a, that, that, that number, all backers will get the digital file of that song uh, in, in, in addition nice. to whatever else That's they buy. Cool. Um, I and like yeah. Music. Yeah, it's it's really cool. You know, we're I, I I've heard the rough demo. They 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 should be recording it this weekend, um, uh, the 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 professional copy. Um, but you know, even the rough demo was just so beautiful and haunting, and I think really captured the spirit of this book. 
Um, those are the kinds of cool solutions that you can come up with and uh, in, 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 you know with Kickstarter that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do with a traditional publisher. Um, the rules are different. The 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 the, um, the laws of physics are different, and so yeah, it's been it's been uh, a fun challenge for me to figure out. Okay, how do we make people feel valued uh, in a way that doesn't doesn't delay the book and doesn't screw up uh, the budget that we have in place? Makes sense. I think you guys have a real good setup in that regard so far. Just because looking at the buzz on Twitter and people talking about it, it's. I haven't seen anyone that's complained. There's almost always someone that's going to complain about stuff. <laughs> Give it time. I'm sure we'll find. Some. I'm sure we'll find. Well, some. well since you started Such asking me, such as one, now. Bill Nelson. <laughs> yeah, you're going to ask my opinion. Listen, my brother has been gone for a while. I, I don't. There's too much time waiting here. I'll see. You. He should be back here later. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Well, we might have Willie Nelson back here in a little bit. Once if, Bill if Nelson Willie Nelson returned. returns with, with something stuck to his chin, I'm going to piss my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lose it. <laughs> oh, yeah, there'll, there'll be somebody from PETA angry about what you do to the flying monkeys at some point because it's the internet. So, I yeah. mean, yeah. someone has to complain. Those are the someone, rules. Someone will complain. I mean, you know, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who has done a lot of work in the Oz fandom. And they told me, they're like, you know, Oz fans can sometimes be purists. And if you've ever met me, I don't really have a purist bone in my body. Um, you know, but at the same time, I would say, you know, I hope that when people, you know, if they give us a shot, that like they know that we're like, we respect the mythology, we respect the lore, we respect the fandom. We're doing something that we feels like, in my mind, an organic continuation of the original L. Frank Baum novel. Um I would say also for people who don't know my work, um, you know, with Spencer and Locke, this isn't something that we're doing for like shock value's sake. That's not really how I operate. Um, I feel like shock is like the least effective way of building a readership. Like you, that gets you your foot in the door once. That does, you know, yeah. people, you know, it's people will one stare. Number one issue. Yeah, but you know, if you don't have like, if you don't justify it, then like, there's no reason for people to stick around. If there's no um, narrative justification, if there's no emotional connection, who, who's going to stick around? And I feel like um, I feel like there are you know people will look at a car accident like they're not going back for seconds, and yeah. so, th- so the thing that I've always tried to strive for is to like really make sure that we're justifying it. Um, you know, we're justifying our high concepts that we're treating our characters with compassion and empathy and respect, uh, because ultimately that means we're treating our readers with the with that as well. Um, I'm I'm not into this to punch down. Um, and you know, I, I, so we work hard to make sure that, that that's not the case. Um, we, you know, I've read, I've had entire pages redrawn because I realized, Oh, like, you know, the message that I had put on the page, like the imagery was, would have, would have interfered with it. And so it's like, all right, got it. We got to rework it. Um, and you know, I, I'm sure that like if I stay in the industry as long as I want to, I, I won't have a perfect batting average on that, but I'm always going to be trying and I'm always going to be listening uh, because yeah, at the end of the day, there are people who, you know, yeah, maybe there are people who have not gone through the land of Oz, but like there are people who have served in combat um, and there are people who've come back with their own trauma and guilt and disillusionment. And my goal is to make sure that we don't, belittle that and that we never treat it as a punchline that's i think that's the right approach to take indeed i was gonna ask too because yeah you mentioned uh hitting on certain parts of oz with dorothy wicked witch flying monkeys um are 
is the OZ taking just from the first book, The Wizard of Oz, or is it also taking from some of the other so, uh, L. Frank Baum? Because I was trying to remember, there's what? There's 14 of them, right? 20. It's 20. 20. Oh, wow. There's um, 20 of them. Yeah, 20 so. of them. Um, yeah. I, I, so what we've done, because, yeah, like like you said, Anthony, it's it's a real um, – It's you, you got to thread that needle. Um, because the, the interesting thing is, is what's considered in the public domain, the Baum novels are in the public domain. The Judy Garland film is not. And okay. so, uh, and and so, you have to really take into consideration. Look, most of the popular consciousness is the Judy Garland film, mm-hmm. which yeah. overlaps more or less with the with the original novel. They they certainly took a couple of liberties with it to like sanitize it, or you know, in the case of the Ruby Slippers, that was an invention for the film um, to, to colorize film. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, in the novel, they're silver. So. Um, you know, for me, it was like threading that threading that needle where you're kind of like, okay, most people know that core quartet of the the Wizard of Oz. You know, Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, the Cowardly Lion. So really focusing on 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 on, on those core characters and what happened to them, but at the same time, using that expanded Oz lore to really flesh out the world. Um, you know, there are a lot of locations that were not in the original Oz novel that, like, as Baum started to expand and started making maps of Oz, um, you know, you start having, like, the Deadly Desert thrown in there, um, you know, or, or or the Kingdom of Ix with the mountaintops around its border. Um, so w- we definitely use that to flesh out uh, uh, this world a bit more. We also have, you know, we, we do have a couple of uh, ancillary characters from the expanded mythology. Um, Jack Pumpkinhead, I, I, I love that design. Um, so he definitely plays a role. Um, he, he, he only shows up briefly in our first issue, but he gets he gets a bigger and bigger role in our second and third issues. Nice. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it, for me, it was sort of how do we keep it as universal and accessible as possible? Um, you know, that I, I want to make sure nobody has to have read a bunch of books to understand our book. Um, and and yet at the same time, like, you know, what little Easter eggs can we throw in there um, to sort of make sure that, like, people know that, like, I wrote a term paper on on the land of Oz in college and I read a bunch of these books. <laughs> so it's like it's like how, you know, how how can we sort of show the diehard Oz fandom that, like, we're respecting their their that mythology while still keeping it open to anybody who would even just want to casually read this book. Right. And it's always the problem you're going to have is playing in someone else's sandbox. Sure. It's tough. Uh, be it if you're someone who's like John Favreau doing a Mandalorian TV show and George Lucas's Star Wars fan, Star Wars sandbox, or you're just writing a book for another publisher or taking inspiration for something. That's always tough because everyone has in their mind what is the most purest version of that and it may not no. jive with that just because it's different difference not necessarily bad it's just hard for to reconcile at times and any changes are going to be looked at with a microscope yeah why did you do this to it why did you do that to it yeah just ask jj abrams and ryan johnson right now (laughs) yeah trilogies you know it's it's tough because yeah it's like you know i feel like yeah I'm, i'm sort of i'm prepared a little bit for exactly what you're saying of people saying oh you know why'd you take these liberties and the thing is, is like, you know, we're using the original Oz novel uh, as our, 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 our jumping off point. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure somebody could say, oh, well, you know, like we didn't have like an Iraq war soldier show up in the next 19 novels. And it's like, 
yeah, genius. I know that. Like, like, <laughs> like, like I, I, I didn't invent a time machine. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, uh, but I think, you know, based on our, our core concept, um, you know, I think it makes, we've justified it all in, in ways that I think are still very true to the characters. Um, because so much of this book is not just Dorothy grappling with her experiences in war and grappling with the burden of responsibility um, that by virtue of who her grandmother is, um, you know, of how to make what's considered moral decisions in war. I mean, how do you make a just choice when every decision you make can wind up with someone dead? But, you know, I think, you know, that new Dorothy in many ways, she's still a character who's basically, you know, brand new from whole cloth. She's sort of the spiritual successor to the original Dorothy. Um, but, you know, seeing how the actual original characters have fared over the course of this generation of war, that's been really interesting to me. That's been really fun. You know, you're able to sort of take, you're either t- able to sort of remix them and take like a hard left swerve, or you're able to just take their core qualities from the original books and follow them to the logical conclusion. I mean, you look at the the the, the Tin Man, for example, the Tin Soldier. He, uh, you know, he's been destroyed and rebuilt so many times with just whatever pieces of metal are all around him. So he's turned into this like towering war machine freedom fighter. Um, on the other hand, you've got, uh, uh, you know, he's the guy who wanted a heart. And so what happens to that guy when he spent years watching people die? Um, you know, do you bury that heart or does it always inevitably come back or the scarecrow? You know, he's the guy he wanted to be the smart guy. Well, you know, that can be a real monkey's paw. Um, you know, sometimes being the smartest guy in the room doesn't mean you have all the answers. Sometimes that just means you're the first one to realize how just irrevocably screwed you all are. (laughs) Uh, You're not wrong. (laughs) And, 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 you know, at the same time, there's, you know, I think there's, especially for self-described smart guys, I mean, look at Elon Musk, um, you know, there's that ego to it. And so, you know, if, if you've been, if you've been faced with this unsolvable problem of, 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 of horrible war, you know, what what's to stop you from keep going back to that Rubik's cube and making it worse? Um, you know, it's sort of, how does that twist you? How does that embitter you? Um, the scarecrow is kind of one of my favorite characters in the whole book. I think he's he, readers. He's very complicated and complex. And I think readers relationship with, with him will evolve a lot from our first issue to our last, oh, um, cool. you know, or the lion. I mean, you know, he, this, this is somebody who wanted bravery but how's that calculus change when you're not just fighting for yourself, but you're actually the ruler of the animal kingdom? Um, you know that the the you know his story is a lot about legacy. You know of sort of you have these ideals in your past that you know seem seem so rose colored and 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 now so impossible to possibly achieve uh, in this sort of war scarred present. Um, can you go back? Can you turn back the clock? Can you live up to those ideals that were set so long ago? Or is that just something of the past that just is not going to exist anymore? Um, so yeah, it's like getting to see how the war is not, how war is not just touched Dorothy, but touched every kind of member of her makeshift army. Um, that's really interesting to me. And I think we've got a a bunch of twists and turns with these characters. So we're going to keep you on your toes. Um, nothing, no book I've ever approached is straightforward. So, uh, that's half the fun. (laughs) That's half the fun. Exactly. You know, um, you know, what's, what's a roller coaster ride without a couple of good turns. Exactly. So we've got some, we got some cool stuff going. 
Well, I mean, I was already sold, but if I wasn't sold, you sold me again. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're guaranteed to have uh, uh, me as a backer uh, a little bit later on when I can. And I definitely, uh, my, my brother was here earlier. He said he's going to do it, too. I, he, he says he needs 20 bucks out of him or something. Uh, he's got you, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, both Bill and Willie Nelson are going to be supporting. And if you guys want to support, you can go find it on Kickstarter. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can follow David on Twitter. And I th- uh, what's the Twitter for the comic the book. itself? It, it's the OC yeah, it's, comic. Is that what it is? That's it. Okay. You can follow it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at that address. Or if you go to bit.ly slash the OZ comic, that'll take you right to our Kickstarter page. I knew there was a short link. I couldn't remember what it was. Thank you. <laughs> sure. It, it's it's awesome, guys. Seriously. Uh, Anthony and I both have been geeking out over it. So anyone who's watching live, listening later, follow the link in the show notes. Check it out for yourselves. We would strongly encourage you to support because it's really cool thank you that way you can watch the stretch goals be reached yeah 23 more days yes we got it we, we're, we're we're the running right now for a for a really cool print uh that we're a, a comic sized print that we'll be giving to all of our physical backers nice. um yeah that'll be uh if we hit um uh uh 500 uh, funding okay um so we're 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 getting real close to that i think we'll hit that you know, uh, knock on wood, maybe sometime this week. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll have, it'll be on to the next stretch goal. Uh, and we've got some really uh, cool things uh, in store. Well, there's a lot of buzz. I mean, I've been seeing articles posted everywhere. I mean, I've been seeing, you've been Thank making you. the rounds too, because you've been retweeting a lot of your appearances and stuff. So the buzz is building and it's not just us that are here geeking out over it. There's a <laughs> bunch of people, as you've already seen it, have backed it. And yeah. it. Plus there's probably a bunch of folks who are just watching in social media that are finally like, wait, everyone's talking about this i need to check it out <laughs> yeah you know our our uh, our yellow brick road warriors are coming in strong for us uh you know 737 and counting um and yeah that's that's always been the goal i want to build that wider consensus um and so you know we've got we got 23 days left to build it and yeah i want to invite everybody to the table no matter what your budget whatever your level of commitment um it's all great and we're going to have tons of fun stuff to share with you uh, no matter what your level of involvement that's perfect then everyone gets to play <laughs> yeah well exactly. uh, well i i my brother told me something about like uh, our cousins coming home next year. He's not supposed to be back for like four <laughs> more years, man. What yeah. happened? Uh, well, they're let they're letting out uh, SQCC, you know, and uh, you know. <laughs> so yeah, get your get your get your tickets now. Uh, yeah, exactly. So David, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this. First, and thank you so much for we're having able me. to push some more people your way, get some more buzz and excitement coming i know you're super busy you're welcome to hang around with us we're gonna oh, talk yeah. about some other stuff going on no or- thank you so much I, I i i gotta get some coffee in me oh, um, sure. i'm i'm dragging hard but um but we should definitely talk soon because i'm, I'm gonna have some more projects uh, uh that are gonna here. be announced <laughs> soon. and uh yeah just some just some fun stuff's in store so Thank you for having me. Anytime. And anybody listening, thank you for your support of the OZ. It means the world. Um, because yeah, I feel like this this is gonna this is a project that even if you don't like the writing, it's undeniably beautiful. I think it goes toe to toe with any book in the direct market, um, and, and as far as the art is concerned. And if you if you like what you've seen in our preview, just know you ain't seen nothing yet. Ooh, and it's, it's Rojas, right? Ruben Rojas. Yep, Ruben Rojas, uh, Whitney Kogar, and DC Hopkins. They are just they're they're, they're the A team. They are just 
truly tremendous collaborators to work with. Every page comes in looking like magic. So I'm very excited to show you guys uh, what we have in store for that book. Yeah, that cover is killer. And don't forget who's ethically first on the Kickstarter. (laughs) We're back on this one again. (laughs) Actually, that was Bill. Actually, Bill beat me to it. He was ethically first. I I, I would have tried to be first, but honestly, I I slept it the other day. When I woke up, your project was already funded, so (laughs) I was in no rush. (laughs) Yes, yes. Hey, hey, timing doesn't matter, man. Ethically first. (laughs) Ethically first. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys so much for having me, and and we'll talk again very soon. Uh, Looking forward to it. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Thanks. Well, guys. That was awesome. I love it when David's on the show because we always get to find out some really cool stuff. And yeah, good conflicts. In a good way, I mean this. David's one of the easiest interviews because we just ask a few questions and then he's got stories and info and everything. So we just kind of have to be like, hey, tell us about this. And then kind of lean back and be like, this is awesome. Well, that's the upside with getting a writer on. And um, I guess, uh, not spoilers. Uh, I don't know how to phrase it. Uh, We're going to have a writer on uh, next weekend, too. Ooh, and it's not tease. David. Yes, you guys will have to come back and check that out. So, tease. That's that's what it is. It's a, tease. it's a tease. We are an hour into the show right now, so we are going to try and do a quick news of the week segment, and then we'll wrap things up with the traditional segment. But we wanted to give David the most attention here because the Kickstarter is awesome. David's been real good to us, and we wanted to make because sure. Because he deserves it. Well, Jesus, exactly. that's the number one reason yep. he deserves it. You're not wrong. We've been big supporters uh, of his when stuff. When am I? Since God, when did he come on the first time? It was when it was like Spencer and Locke one, wasn't it? And then yeah, we had Spencer him on one. Yeah, two, we had him sequel, on for the first, and then going to the, the chapel. Book. I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think this is his fourth time on. And he's not tired of us yet. I know he's glutton for punishment. I guess <laughs> we're lucky. I mean, he's the second best guest we've ever had after Reverend Willie. Gotta tell you, I thought he was uh. gonna say Bill Nelson. <laughs> oh no, no, that dude's an asshole. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Live ATGN Studios on uh, the internet. It's the news of the week. That's right, it's the news of the week. It's that part of the show where we run down what's in our minds. It's the most interesting geeky and order nerdy news. Excuse me, I slurred that all up. To have happened here in the past week and share it with you guys who are watching live and listening and or listening at a later date. So we'll kick things off. Um, I originally in the show notes had just put one thing in there. I'm just going to say broaden in general and make it pretty quick. I'm pleasantly surprised by all of the, most of the positive buzz that came out of the DC fandom event yesterday. Got to see some cool stuff on the suicide squad where they revealed the entire cast and who they're playing. Black Superman. Nobody predicted who black Superman was playing. Let's put it that way. Idris Elba. Yeah, that that threw me for a fucking loop. Because if I remember correctly from my DC days, that was the most racist KKK supervillain of all time. And now he's being played by a black man. I can't wait to see how the fuck they rewrite that character. James Gunn's Suicide Squad stuff, which (laughs) should surprise no one, looked awesome. They showed two different trailers. One that was like a casting announcement that showed who everyone was playing. And then like a two and a half minute kind of behind the scenes. Except for Peacemaker. I, I couldn't see who was playing Peacemaker. Yeah, that's right. You can't see me, John um, Cena. You guys said uh, uh, Idris Elba's playing Black Superman. He no, really no, is Black. No, 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 no. Superman. he is Black Superman. He's playing he a character called Blood. Black... Yeah, oh. but he's playing a character called Bloodsport. Yeah, who, if I remember correctly, was a a racist KKK assassin in the Superman comics, who could pull uh... guns out of anywhere, and he murdered ethnic people. 
That All was right. what he did. I want to be. <laughs> I want. I want a time machine. I want invisibility. And I'll go. I want to go into that meeting room when they said, "Hey, so we found a character that might not be so good looking, <laughs> but hold on, KKK, Idris Elba." Look, it's, I think Warner and DC did the right thing here, which is James Gunn wants to do this movie that's a ragtag band of misfits. Oh, wait, he's already done something similar for Marvel with a ragtag band of misfits. Give him the keys and let him run with it because this is what he's good at. And if you go and look, I like the cast reveal for Suicide Squad. It's huge. There's so many yeah. friggin' people in this one. Even Nathan Fillion gets to be a superhero, not a voice actor superhero, finally. He's probably pretty stupid. Right? He's been a superhero before. He's Captain Hammer. What are you talking well, about? Yes, the hammer hey, is his penis. These aren't the hammer. It's the hammer. Oh, God damn it, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Y'all don't know timing of comedy at all. <laughs> so we got the Suicide Squad reveal. That was really cool. There was a Snyder Cut trailer, whatever. I'm going to just leave. If you can't say something nice, don't Ooh. say it at all. Zack Snyder was saying some shitty things on the internet again. Whatever. Yeah, it was. Don't let him watch Batman Mask of the Phantasm because they'll probably melt his brain. That's all I'll say in regards to that one. That movie's overrated. Well, I, I would argue it's possibly one of the best Batman movies ever made, but that's, that's an opinion. Although it, I prefer Batman Beyond Return of the Joker uncut version over that myself. I will agree with you there. That That is the best Batman movie ever made. Yeah. Uh, how we agree with a disagreement first. <laughs> at least there's at least there's that at part. least there is that so i'm trying to think of some <laughs> of the other stuff i saw that came out for the most part it was a lot of positive buzz but then there was the trailer that dropped last night for the batman and we, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show with david he hadn't seen it yet but what is it? they've only filmed like 25 percent of the movie so far they haven't gotten yeah, a chance to film like matt reeves said the 25 percent's filmed so the teaser they had to make it out of the 25 percent that's been filmed and this is the robert pattinson batman and you know, I think we might have said it on this show that he was going to prove people wrong who were kind of poo-pooing it. Uh, Pattinson looked pretty badass as Batman. His bat yeah, voice uh, was pretty cool and his physicality uh, was pretty awesome in this trailer. 16% yeah. of what they have filmed is that when he was just beating that one guy straight yeah, in the right? face just him punching for like that 10 one dude. minutes, right? <laughs> like, I, they edited a bunch of different ones. And he's like, bam, bam, bam. that dude's yeah. dead, right? It was a 60 yeah. second trailer, but it was four minutes of him punching that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking weird, dude. Who are weird. you? I'm vengeance. Bam, bam. I mean, it looks really interesting. And it looks like, and Matt Reeves made a point of saying this at DC Fandom. I didn't watch it live. I caught some of this after the fact. The Batman's going to get to be a detective in this. It's going to be him yes. matching wits with people. Yes, there's going to be physicality and violence and stuff like that. But this is more centered around. Batman showing how freaking smart he is for once because we've not gotten that in a live action Batman movie. Yet, no, we've got never the gotten the world's greatest detective. Now we're getting the world's greatest detective. Yes, Willie. Oh no no he he says the line I am vengeance. Mm -hmm. All right, Disney, get with me. We're gonna sue because there's only one crime fighter who is vengeance. Who is the knight? That's fucking Dark Wing Duck. I don't want to hear no more. That's not my Spider-Man. That's not my Batman until they fix this atrocity. Batman, the animated <laughs> series, had that line ages ago, yeah. too. And he they went, he suck my whatever you want to fill that expletive with. He went Kevin Conroy. He didn't go Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Uh, and as we all know, Kevin Conroy is Batman. That's the I'm voice sorry. I in my head for Batman. I'm sorry. There was no Launchpad McQuack in fucking Batman. Now, was there? 
I'm no. glad there wasn't. So let, let's touch You're on a couple. Wrong. Other, let's touch on a couple other things that came out of Fandom, just because we need to knock the big things out. Uh, Gotham Knights, which is WB Montreal's uh, one to four player co-op. Excuse me, one to two player co-op game. I think they. Yeah, said, I think it's one to two player co-op. Where you get the, the four player is Suicide Squad. Yeah, four player Suicide Ooh. Squad. But one to two player co-op where you basically play as Nightwing, Red Hood, which is Jason Todd, uh, Robin, which I think is Tim Drake. It's the Tim Drake, okay. yeah. Okay, and then uh, oh. Barbara Girl, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. Excuse me. In a world where Batman is dead, and the and, Court of Owls, uh, the most important one, Dick Grayson, Nightwing. Sure. He only mentioned three characters. Oh, did I forget. I I, st- I said it in my head, <laughs> but I didn't say it out loud. Yeah, Batman yeah. is dead for real. Well, uh-huh, let's be honest. No one expects that time to travel. And it, well, no time travel. This involves the Court of Owls. The Court of Owls was gotten sure. a hold of it. Or- uh, the and fact the that they're adapting the Court of Owls and the Talons and putting them in a video game. Super interesting. Scott Snyder was tweeting about it a little bit yesterday saying, I can finally talk about it. They actually took him out to the studio for a week and started peppering their ideas against him to be like, does this make sense in the context of the Court of Owls? And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So they went directly to the guy that, you know, that created the Court of Owls to put the Court of Owls in this video game. Yeah, which, I mean, it was the good and the bad. I love the idea of seeing playing as those four characters. Jason Todd with guns, not so much, but I've never been a fan of Red Hood. That's just me. I mean, there's a reason people voted for him to be beat to death with a crowbar. <laughs> He's not a good Robin. But just being able to play as Nightwing, being but, able to play as a teleporting Jason or a teleporting Tim Drake Robin, be able to play as Barbara Gordon with the badass cape. Like the fact that it's four characters, four different total play styles, the fact that it's just more of like the Arkham games, just bigger and looking more gorgeous. And awesome, you know, effects like the game looks brilliant. Yeah. So one My, thing to remember, though, it's not Rocksteady doing this game. It's WB Montreal who did the yeah, Arkham WB Origins Montreal. game that was. Oh, it was still I mean, yeah, a good yeah, game, yeah, but it, it looked pretty yeah, as hell. Uh-huh. I mean, for what we saw as alpha alpha test footage, this looked pretty as hell. But man, it's been I had to look it up. It's been 14 years since they even tried a Superman game. We've never gotten a Wonder Woman game. And now we're getting another Batman game. And now like the TV shows, hey, it's a Batman game without Batman. Like the only thing WB can get right is the Batverse. Like, I don't know how you make a Superman game, though, and have it be good, though, to be honest. I know. But somebody somewhere out there, some studio needs to crack the code because there's parts where you play in the Arkham Asylum games where you have that moment where you feel like Batman. And it's fantastic. And despite all of its downfalls, there's parts when you're playing in Anthem where you feel like fucking Iron Man. And it in those moments, it makes it a great game. Somebody needs to crack the code on a Wonder Woman game and a Superman game. Because DC has the big three. They've always had the big three. It's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. And they've never had a good Superman game. Well, I think the problem we run into right now is people aren't really wanting to take as much of a chance on some of these properties Batman or things set in a Batman world are kind of seen as a insta buy to a lot of folks. And I'll be honest, what I saw of Gotham Knights, yes, it was pre-alpha build and yes, early alpha build rather. Yes, there were obvious places where the frame rate chugged and slowed down. It looks pretty good. 2021, they said they did not say explicitly which generation of Xboxes and Playstations it was coming to. So my guess is it's probably PS5 and Series X. Yeah. It is not going to be the, the current gen consoles, but who knows? Now, we mentioned the Arkham games, which kind of leads us to the next game reveal they had, which is kind of the last reveal that came out of Fandom, which is Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, done by Rocksteady, 
where it is a one to four player co-op game where it's King Shark, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, and Deadshot. And you can swap between them if you're playing single player. And made by Rocksteady, who did the Arkham games, where you have to take out the Justice League, specifically Superman's, which shown. None of this was gameplay footage they showed. It was just a cinematic trailer. But they did announce after they showed the trailer when they were doing the Q&A that Justice League kill, excuse me, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League is set in the Arkham universe. So what we saw in the Batman Arkham Asylum games in Arkham City, Arkham Knight, that already took place, presumably, in Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, which kind of takes us back to that rumor that you're not going to get to fight Batman. Well, if you remember, Batman, he didn't exist after Arkham Knight, basically. Bruce Wayne was hanging up the cowl. So it kind of, them saying you fight, uh, not Jason Todd, but Tim Drake, kind of makes a bit more sense there because one of those guys would probably assume his spot in the Justice League. I don't know. It looked interesting. Tara Strong does the voice of Harley Quinn again, which I'm always on board when she gets to do the voice actor work. It's 2021 for that game. We don't know enough about what's coming. Or it might have been 2022. I can't remember. It's a ways All off. Right. Let's put it that way. I it call uh, Street Shark. I want to play Street Sharks. Yeah. It's, it's Rockstar. Uh, you don't know it. He don't know the <laughs> joy of Street Sharks. What's wrong with you, man? Uh, it's true. But it is coming a ways off. Like I said, it was just a cinematic trailer. You can go check it out yourself on YouTube, things like that. I almost forgot one of the reveals, but Draftsman reminded me because he saw in the chat room, I want a Shazam game, a big Barda game, fighting your way out of Apocalypse. He mentioned Shazam. They did mention a Shazam. Wow. Yeah. Tongue twister. Shazam I sequel. said it first. But they did also <laughs> have Dwayne The Rock Johnson show up, and they did an animated storyboard-esque introduction to the Black Adam movie. And dude, I'm on board. Dwayne The Rock oh, yeah. Johnson is totally on board with it. You can tell he was excited by everything he was doing there, and I want it. If I wasn't already, yeah, Truth, Justice, and the Black Adam way. And then, yeah, the one, uh, I think it was uh, Boss Logic did the po- uh, did a poster, and like Dwayne The Rock Johnson retweeted it because it's just awesome looking. It was just eyes, and it's like a real up close with like uh, like magic lightning going through the irises, and it just says, I said it first. Because Black Adam's the first one to say Shazam and get the powers. Mm-hmm. The and very yeah. first? Yeah, supposedly he's oh. the very first character okay. that the the wizard Shazam gave his powers to. And that's why uh, he was afraid to do it again because Black Adam became what he became, which was basically an unstoppable villain. Yeah, the Black Wait, Adam so, trailer says it was 5,000 years ago that he yeah. got his powers and then was locked up. So you're saying Shazam is the second, or Billy Batson? Yeah, Billy Batson is basically the second Shazam in most of the versions oh. of the Captain Marvel storyline. Basically, or is the keywords here? Keywords. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that DC has had nine different multiverses, and they collapse them, and then bring them back, and then rewrite them, and then relaunch Tough. them. And you right, you right, you right. Yeah, I can't tell you. I I think in the current storyline of shazam and what we're gonna see in the dc movies is billy batson will be the second person to have the powers of shazam while black adam was the first who yeah has been locked away for five thousand years and is getting released along with uh our introduction to uh they're putting the jsa in it we're also it was just animatic so yeah we didn't see any other uh the actor for adam smasher has been announced who came on and talked with uh dwayne johnson which was awesome we're getting Adam Smasher, Hawkman, Doctor Fate, and was there one more? I thought there was four. I thought there was four JSA members that they mentioned. I can't, no, I can't remember. remember. There was so much stuff. 
Because last night I was trying to watch AEW Dynamite, follow what was going on in Fandome, and then play some video games. <laughs> I just I couldn't keep track of everything, I'll be honest. Well, yeah, and then uh, also oh, we got on. Wonder Woman, which the big reveal there was we did finally get to see in the new Wonder Woman trailer, full Cheetah. Yes, and if you want to get a better glimpse, because they didn't show her for long, uh, Iron Studios, who's the statue company I've talked about all the time, Levin, they were able to put up for pre-order their one-tenth scale Cheetah statue, oh, so you can nice. get a 360-degree view. Here's what Cheetah looks like, and here's how it was done. And let's be honest, Iron Studios does beautiful work. I have too much of their stuff in my collection, so I am not unbiased in saying that. <laughs> Would nice. you say the full Cheetah looks... Wonderful. Sure, we'll go with that. I would say so far in the teaser, yes, it does. The teaser looked cool. Let's be honest, though. Good. This is something yeah. that the only reason we got a trailer for it is because we didn't get Wonder Woman because of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, because the movie should have been out already. And I want to address something I saw mentioned on Twitter, which, and I'm glad there's a lot of excitement over DC fandom, and everyone's like, DC eat Marvel's lunch, blah, 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 blah. Remember, Marvel hasn't put out shit. Since Spider-Man Far From Home, because everything was predicated on we got to do Black Widow, and after Black Widow, we can reveal a lot of stuff. So they have kept their mouths shut on purpose. So it's awesome. DC found a way to connect with fans. People are really excited. That's great. But don't start pretending like Marvel hasn't been doing all of the right things for many years also. The fact that they're silent right now is because of the coronavirus. Now, so this is like Marvel didn't also... Didn't also didn't just fire half of their staff. Well, that's in the comic side of the house, though. So. <laughs> but but so, the, so you're saying this is like the like uh, the first majority part of uh, Agents of Shield until they could match with the Winter Soldier. Kind of. I mean, yeah. If we had to make a parallel to that, yes. The problem is Marvel kind of put themselves in a position where they wanted to let Black Widow movie do its thing, and then coming out of Black Widow, then start talking about everything that was coming. And there are a lot of conspiracy theories that somehow the Black Widow movie is going to find a way that they can make it so that Scarlett Johansson's Nat is resurrected somehow. So the fact that we haven't heard anything, who knows what that is. But remember... Always possible. It's but, comics. Yeah, it's all... It's Exactly. Pretty much all production has been shut down on all Marvel-related projects in the TV and movie side of the house until just recently, I think, they started going back to production on Captain America and Winter Soldier... Excuse me, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, because they're waiting for their big push for Eternals, which they're not doing until after Black Widow. So, right. so COVID kind of delayed all their plans there, and DC had a bit of an advantage there, which was, yes, they had Wonder Woman coming out, but they didn't have a bunch of stuff predicated on, you have to see Wonder Woman first to know what's going on. So let's just not start pooping all over Marvel, because we're like, oh, DC's killing it. Yeah, DC did a fantastic job. Marvel is just keeping their mouths shut for a reason right now. Listen, DC fandom I can't help got it, me man. excited for DC things, which that hasn't happened in a while. Right? Well, other than the Justice League Snyder Cut, I still don't care about that. Not since yeah. Man of Steel have I been excited. Really? I'm sorry. No, it's Willie. <laughs> 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 uh, but if I had to pick the one this thing I'm most excited about that they announced there, it's James Gunn's Suicide Squad stuff. It looked fantastic. Yeah, Polka Dot Man, dude. He's pulling out fucking Polka Dot Man. You can't fuck with James Gunn? He's like, oh, uh, they're, they're doing Killer Croc deep cuts. He's like, no, no, I'll show you deep cuts. You we're, deep going, cuts. we're going, we're uh, going Ratcatcher Two and Polka Dot Man. Just in case, uh, Mister Gun, if you need a uh, tallish, bald person uh, with or without facial hair in his mask, I don't know. It could be. It couldn't be. We don't know. My brother definitely doesn't have it because he's an asshole. 
But uh, yeah, I got you back, buddy. You can put a merkin on me. I don't give a fuck. Actually, they got the big tall guy. Uh, congrats again to Steve Agee, who is apparently the. They made sure to emphasize the on-screen, on-set killer shark, which means we're getting somebody else's voice. And God, I hope it's Ron Funches. You're supposed because to be having my back, man. My Ron back. Funches is the killer my shark on the back. Harley Quinn cartoon. How funny would it be if he got to be the voice of Killer Shark in the movie? That'd be like that sweet. would be so ridiculous. Or Willie Nelson. Or Willie Nelson. I guess that's always an option. There's that. So that's what I wanted to bring Definitely up. Definitely a cheap drop. That is true. DC fandom. There's a lot of cool stuff that came out of it. I honestly hope that in this COVID-19 era, we start seeing other folks do similar fan events like that, which is just dedicate an entire day to doing like online panels, online reveals of stuff that's coming up because yeah. it was awesome. And there's a lot of like quick cuts where people have gone through like the, here's the suicide squad segment with James Gunn cut down to 15 minutes. Here's a YouTube video of it. Yeah. Like tons of those are already popping up like as they were happening. So yeah, go check it out on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, uh, the Batman trailer also defied my expectations. Cause I had low expectations just because I didn't think they could have much there with as much work as they had done. Are you sure it's not just die Batman, but you know, in German to English just got mixed up. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, we'll find your out. Bob. Yeah. But yeah, and like, dude, he had the black face paint on his eyes. Like, it made sense. Of course, like, everyone not, made fun not, of Stephen Amell for doing that. Yeah, but, but not also, since Kick-Ass has it been done where we see it. It's like, yeah, if you want your eyes to not look like there's a big white circle there, you would have to put fucking makeup on. Nick Cage did it first. Yeah, Nick Cage did it good. A little thick well, fucking go daddy. As far as I know. Big daddy but, was a badass. Let's put... White contacts in next, so there's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Looks good in comics. Doesn't does. really work in real life. You don't know. Like, Umbrella think, Academy. All right. To be I'm, fair, though, I'm, we didn't think they could make Spidey's eyes grow and shrink until they did it recently on movies. I make still argue about that. It only makes sense in the MCU because it is a Tony Stark suit. Yeah. And it's mechanical. When his cloth mask changes sizes in the comics it still pisses me off his <laughs> eyes shouldn't fucking move it's a piece of cotton it's a comic book <laughs> i know but it's one of the few things where i can't exaggerated world I can't, physics i can't expand my i can't float the lead balloon my disbelief just shuts that That's shit fair. down you know you have a closed mind man spider-man cannot man. wink when he's wearing a cloth costume over his face power of madam spider <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next news story. Uh, Willie D. Nelson, what do you got for yes, us? Yes, sir. Well, uh, you might have heard me talk about a little bit of game last week. Yeah, one fun one. It came out free for PS Plus. And if you have PS Plus and you don't have this game downloaded, what are you doing with your life is what I have to ask you. Because I am talking about Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. And what did you know? Do you want to know how many players it has on just the PlayStation alone? Two. Guestmate. At least two to three thousand. Just well, two. we are we are we're me and me and Bachman here are two at least by ourselves. Chris <laughs> over here is being lazy. But whatever. I'm not being lazy. I gave you a guess. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good guess. 16 million players. That's how many players. Nice. And of course, it is free for PS Plus. I'm not saying the game is free because you do have to pay for PS Plus for the online as well. 
in addition to get the game in your library. But that's still a lot of people playing this game. How is many PC not? gamers oh, yeah. are playing, have they said? Do you think I looked that up? I can give us a rough estimate. Give me a second. I, I assumed you might have seen in the article you referenced. Uh, it's fine. We'll come back uh, to uh, it later. I'll, I'll, it's all I'm talking about PlayStation numbers here, man. I looked down. Well, I looked up and down and left and right. Why I mentioned that is because you have to purchase the game on PC. So it was an interesting metric to compare against versus PlayStation Plus users who are getting as part of their subscription. Sure. The easiest whatever. way I check numbers is you look at categories on Twitch because that'll give you who's streaming the game. So that tells you PS4, Xbox, PC, all combined, how many streamers are streaming a specific game. Right now, Apex Legends, my favorite shooter, has 37,000 people streaming it. There's 65,000 people doing Dead by Daylight. There is 223,000 people streaming Fall Guys right this moment. Damn. I'm sorry, how many? How many 223,000. Almost a quarter Whoa. of a million. There's almost a That's quarter a of a million Twitch channels right now of players streaming Fall Guys. That's it's basically the top five or six games combined right now. And the only, uh, one, not only, the only one with higher numbers right now is League of Legends. Not only that, they are, uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos coming out. And uh, Chris is going to be gracious enough to hopefully post a link to a video that one of us may or may not have took 30 minutes to upload because their upload speed is terrible. That's a hillbilly <laughs> And no, no, the hillbillies. He's he's back there, man. He, he just don't <laughs> don't don't Beetlejuice him in here. Seriously, Jesus. Hillbilly, hillbilly, right. hillbilly. That's not the right. Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson. No, you guys really don't know. You have to say skull a bunch of times, and it just oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is one of the greatest games. Uh, you're gonna want to play it if you seriously if you have PS Plus. PS4. Well, I mean, I hope you don't have PS Plus without the PS4. Is why. But if you got the <laughs> PS4, the PS Plus, get Fall Guys, play it, have fun. Season one, you have plenty of time. I've already made level forty, the max level, and it doesn't end till when Bachman. Tell me when Bachman. Uh, I don't remember. I looked it up October. before, but October. You got time. So, yeah, I'm. I'm. I need to get back on it because I think I'm only like level eight still, but. I'm not telling you to do that. Just get onto it to have fun and everything else. Oh, yeah. fall in line. At some point, I'll get a win. I'll get a crown, maybe. Oh, so, man. So hopefully, people won't make fun of me online like uh, poor Tim the Tatman. What, what did it take him 600 games to get a win? I have no idea who you're talking to. Uh, he's a large Twitch streamer, and there was a big thing going where he was talking shit about, I'm not going to lose on a game for six-year-olds to a bunch of six-year-olds. And then uh, apparently it took him like 600 matches to get his first win. <laughs> and apparently I mean, there was there was a big hubbub on Twitch about it because he talked shit about the game and then got on it and kept losing. See, there's only one person more humble than I am, and that is Drax. But just saying, <laughs> every time it seems like I just jump on before any of my friends see that I'm playing it, I jump into a match and more times than not, I win a crown, then. Just saying. Oh, lucky you. I don't know, man. I, the game just clicks for me. I mean, Slime Climb took a while to understand and get, but, I mean, I am now pretty good on it, and that link that hopefully Chris has put up is part of Slime Climb, and yours truly teaching some cheaters or watching some cheaters, because I don't teach them ignorant people how to... Ball. 
Guys. <laughs> I see what you did there. Ultimate knockout. So, uh, side uh, note, just because I saw this and it made me laugh, there was a comment on one of the Batman trailers out there because we, we know the Riddler's the enemy. And someone commented and said, can't wait till this MF for us to find all 274 Riddler clues to finish the movie. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it just made wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Do you mean the people going to see the movie have to find the Riddler, tr- the Riddler I, little thing I before they, they see the movie? they were referencing that Batman would have yeah, to. Yeah, the Batman well, in the I, movie has to find all the 264 yeah, question oh, marks. Oh, city. When you ended it, it made it, it made it seem like the audience members have to find it before they could yeah, finish the we, movie. We can go that way, too. I'm not picky. I'm going to punch that Riddler in the dick so fucking hard. You have no idea. What? The old dick punch. No one suspects that shit. Because you shouldn't default to a dick punch in a it's civilized the Riddler. society. <sighs> Anthony, what's your news? Because I don't want to talk about dick punches anymore. The Riddler. <laughs> uh, my news is Riddler dick punches. <laughs> Thank you. I'm the expert here. Glad I can help. Let me uh, start out. I'm just kidding. Uh, my news is uh, a while ago, DC did kind of a, a half-ass thing with uh, some of the characters they had, and it was really disappointing to a whole lot of people. And so um, it was cool to see uh, yesterday during DC Fandom, they announced that DC is finally doing a full-fledged relaunch of one of the comic book universes that they bought, which is Milestone. Uh, for those that don't know, it was the uh, black-led, black superhero, black-created universe that static shock came from and icon and rocket and um what was it, is it hardware hardwire i can't remember that i always forget that one dude's name but yeah uh milestone milestone is coming back full relaunch from dc there is going to be uh brand new creations revived milestone returns is i guess the imprint it's going to be a publishing initiative featuring new digital series new graphic novels re-releases the classic milestone comics and more and apparently the tease now is they're teasing a static shock movie um what i haven't seen in any of the details is whether or not it would actually be live action or animated but either way more static shock is always awesome and the cool thing is uh they're doing a, a new static shock graphic novel written by reggie hudlin drawn by kyle baker as well as a new milestone series starring the characters icon and rocket drawn by milestone co-founder dennis cowan so we're getting Icon and Rocket again with co, uh, co-creator co of Milestone and um, Icon and Rocket, uh, Dennis Cowan himself, back on the book. So like that alone would be the reason to watch it. And yeah, um, they showed uh, the, the thing I saw clicking over to DC Fandom yesterday when I was looking through Twitter was Phil Lamar, the voice of Static Shock. Uh, just put a picture up on a uh, Twitter of him standing there wearing a black shirt with a lightning bolt on it. Nice. And he's like, go check out a uh, DC fandom. There's something happening. <laughs> Phil Lamar, he's the, he's, if there's anyone who could save the USPS, it is that man. Cause if you remember mad TV, I know he worked for UPS, but he could help the mail system. He is the one with all the energy to knock some sense into the, whatever's going on there. I don't know. Phil Lamar is awesome. That was a deeper yeah. poll than I was expecting. Good job, Willie. For those that don't know, Milestone Media was founded in 1993 by Cowan, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, Michael Davis, Derek Dingle, and through its original comics, only ran for a few years, it focused on diversity and inclusion for black creators and characters, and beyond made a huge impact on the entire industry today, and now a new generation will get a chance to enjoy the Milestone's world, and new creators will get to make their mark. Milestone was a huge thing, because it really was the first universe outside the big two that was kind of created and made an impact. 
And I mean, we all saw what Dwayne McDuffie did, you know, with uh, all this, all his work on the Justice League, all his work in different DC books. Like the man made a huge impact on the world. And so to get to see his characters come back, to get to see a new generation get um, a, a fully, hopefully a fully back launch of Static Shock this time, because they brought Static Shock in to DC when they first picked up the milestone thing. But it was really like a half-assed version of it where they, they it was awesome Scott McDaniel art. I remember on the book, I can't remember honestly who wrote it, sadly, but like it went like six issues and they canceled it. Like, and that was all the only thing they did when they bought Milestone. It's like, oh, well, we'll, we'll try a static shock book. And like they didn't push it, they didn't really promote it. Like they just kind of let it, you know, wither on the vine and die out. And so seeing that they're actually going to do a full push of a relaunch of all of Milestone and hopefully putting all of the Milestone books on digitals where you can get them on the DC Comics app and in a Comicsology. Like all those books need to be out there because like there are some great comics back from the milestone days and Icon and Rocket are awesome. But yeah, the old school Static Shock stuff is just wicked. Like some of those books are damn good. Yeah, that's cool. I'm happy to hear that some of that stuff might be coming back. How about you, uh, William D. Nelson? I need to start reading more comics in general. <laughs> Can I suggest you start with the OZ? Uh, I've already said I was ethically first. And even getting it, <laughs> it's already it's already ethically here then, in my hands, man. And then man. you can go back and reread Spencer and Locke one and two, and go into the yeah. Jabble. See, all these problems are solved. Maybe not going to the jabble. We're working on that one. Just saying. <laughs> all right. That being said, we are about ready to start wrapping things up. But before we do that, we have one oh, last okay. segment for you guys. A little bit called "What I'm Into." It's our chance to share with those of you watching live or listening at a later date just what kind of geeky and or nerdy things we've been getting into so that you might want to go check them out yourselves. I will kick things off and say I played a little more of the Avengers beta. I have kind of decided at this point in time that I'm canceling my pre-order and I'll pick it up six, nine months down the road when the price drops because we'll see what they've added to the game at that point. Yes, I know it's a beta, and so it may not be the best way to judge it, but it feels awful repetitive button smashing to me at this point in time. And I was like, I got other stuff to play. We'll wait and see. So I am not going to be getting the Avengers at launch. Those of you that are, I hope you enjoy it and have fun with it. I'm not shitting on it. Like, oh, it's a terrible game. It's just I don't have enough care for it at this point in time. Other stuff I've been getting into. Played a little bit more of uh, Dragon Quest. And then I also picked up on sale in the Switch Digital Store. For $41 on sale, Luigi's Mansion 3, and started playing that. You're just now getting that? It just went on sale this week. Dude, Halloween last year was a long time ago, man. Was it on sale for $40 Halloween last year? Probably not. I'm going to say yes, because you can't fact check that. (laughs) Okay, so this was the first time I saw that it was on sale for $40, and I said, you know what, I'll check this out. I think it's pretty fun. I have only gotten to play like an hour of it so far, but... I enjoy it. Other stuff I'm getting into. Gooigi. You've been getting into Gooigi. I haven't gotten Gooigi yet or Gooigi. You wait till you get into Gooigi. Let's see. uh, Last night I watched some trailers and stuff and footage out of DC fandom. But what I was more interested in watching was AEW Dynamite had been moved to Saturday because of the NBA playoffs. So uh, AEW Dynamite was a two-hour show that they'd pre-recorded, but it was damn good. It wasn't the finest wrestling I've ever seen, but they did a really good job of advancing a lot of the storylines they had going on. And they turned uh, Mr. Brody Lee, the leader of the Dark Order, into an Mm -hmm. absolute monster because he squashed Cody Rhodes in three minutes and took his title. 
It he was beat crazy. up Arn Anderson. And he beat up Arn Anderson. <laughs> like, and then the God. Dark Order beat up the rest of his family, wait, wait, wait. including Did his that, wife. Is this only... Is this somebody else who has a time traveling device and went back in time and then defeated Arn Anderson or Arn Anderson now? Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson now. now. Yeah, the the Wilson oh, Ripley Arn Anderson oh, of yeah, today. Yeah, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are both on AEW Dynamite yeah. this week. So, though. I do love that Arn got a good couple of shots in. Well, yeah, he's double A. He's got to be able to get yeah, those. Yeah, he's in. still double A. I wish he could have spine bustered one of the smaller fuckers out on the ramp and then they took him out. Right. Uh, regardless, <laughs> though, uh, I continue to enjoy all of what AEW is putting out there. Like I said, this wasn't the finest wrestling I've ever seen AEW put out there, but it advanced all of the storylines and they turned the dark order into being a laughing stock and a joke back in December to arguably one of the scariest factions in the company right now. And I dig the dark order hashtag join dark order. What were you doing? I'll join it. I'm going to join the dark order. Yeah. Join the dark order. Which I think it actually is join the dark order.com. <laughs> I think it's just joindarkorder.com. But I'm not is this sure. join dark order? Because it was hashtag yeah. join dark order. There uh, is a website. Yeah. Two there questions. Is a website. Yes. Uh, uh, how much are they paying? I don't know. And two, if they're not paying, is there at least craft services for food? Well, sometimes. I'm in. <laughs> you too can join the dark order. <laughs> YouTube can? I said you too can. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, YouTube. I'm sorry you suck. <laughs> I'm trying to think other stuff I got into. I don't know. It all blurs together. I have no idea what's going on in life anymore because... Me too! It, it's, it's all the same stuff. What have you been getting into, Bachman? I've been getting into uh, yeah, watching a AEW, uh, getting caught up on uh, some different shows. Uh, the launch of the new season of Lucifer was on Friday. That's uh, what I've been up. watching. Thank you. Yep. I just started the beginning that. of Lucifer. I haven't seen any of it until now. Okay. I'm like so you're, six you're episodes on, in. Okay, you're on season one? Okay, yeah. I'll I'll try to be a non-spoiler oh, as I, I can, Spoiler especially since it's brand new. But also, I mean, like, it just came out Friday. I know people aren't just tearing through it. But yeah, like, I stayed up late on Friday to watch the first episode of uh, season five. Um, for those that don't know, it was one of the shows that got canceled on Fox after three seasons. Netflix picked it up for season four. It did well enough to give them five. And I guess as they were doing five, they got greenlit for six. So I believe it's supposed to end up being a six season show with their, they're going to know as they're going into it, that they're ending it at six. And so it should have an actual solid ending. Um, season four ended on like a, a great cliffhanger. Cause I think they were pretty sure they were coming back for five, uh, five starts off with a bang. There's some really good stuff in it. And yeah, all you really know, need to know is what Tom Ellis tweeted out. And that's Michael is a dick. So, they, they keep expanding the cast of uh, the characters that are on Lucifer. And then uh, you get uh, a little more of the same where, you know, Ella's fucking the cutest thing in the world. Um, Maze kicks some ass. And then they actually got to do some really like um, in the first three, four episodes, you get to see some really like human moments from Maze, which is funny because she's a demon. But yeah, uh, Leslie Ann Brandt got to do some really solid acting that didn't just involve her beating the shit out of six guys in a room, which, you know, I do would love watching those scenes as well, but they actually got to, got to have her some, uh, do some touching moments on screen, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, that, that shows so much fun. Honestly, like from this point forward, I will watch Tom Ellis do anything. I would watch that dude read the phone book. Like he's so fucking entertaining. And yeah, the way, like now having seen so much more of his social media and the fact that he's not, He's so not Lucifer in real life. It's so much cooler to see him playing that character because like when you, if you didn't know Tom Ellis as a person, you would think that the actor playing Lucifer was the most like narcissistic man on the planet 
because that's how he plays the character. He is fully self-sufficient. He needs nothing from the world. And man, you see Tom Ellis and he's just a normal guy. And it's so fucking strange because that man is a hell of an actor. Because, yeah, Lucifer is. Woo! He's an asshole. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. He's the, he's the yeah. nature boy, Ric Flair. He is. He is. Because he, he is styling and profiling five seasons in. Woo! And Michael's a dick. That's all you need to know about the and new didn't season. They get a Michael's sixth a season dick. now, too, or something like that. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I believe as they were filming the fifth, I think Green uh, Netflix greenlit the sixth season and said that's where it's going to end. And so they're knowing going into season six, I believe, that that's going to be the end of the show. So this time, yeah, they'll be able to do another cliffhanger for season five. And then when they do season six, knowing the writing staff, which has just been fantastic. Like the writers on Lucifer are so good. Um, knowing that going into season six will be their end season, I believe we'll get a nice uh, conclusion uh, to the to the storyline of uh, Detective Chloe Decker and uh, Lucifer Morningstar. So who sold their soul to keep this show going? Possibly Tom Ellis, the actual devil himself. Might have sold his soul to the devil. Who himself? Yeah. But Who says the devil can't write himself a contract? Uh, logic. Oh, now now you want to talk logic. But yeah, with Spider-Man's the devil. face mask and blink. But the devil can't write himself a contract. Shut your face. Yeah, it's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, well, Lucifer is a comic book. What's your fucking point? We're talking about the live action. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that uh, playing a little bit of Fall Guys, playing a lot of Apex Legends Season 6. Uh, the new season is so good. Uh, Rampart has changed the meta with her ability to build walls and put up a turret. Um, it's made things very different. Uh, lots of little buffs and nerfs. Um, they changed the way armor works. All armor in the game except for gold is Evo armor now. So anything you pick up, you can charge up and make it stronger. They introduced crafting. Um, they uh, they lowered how much damage each armor can take, though. And so the time to kill, I think it's TTK. Uh, the TTK time has actually come down in the game, so you can kill somebody faster, which a lot of people are complaining about. So apparently a whole bunch of the top-tier players are bitching and not playing apex this season and fuck them because the game is fun as hell and it's only like apparently the really the people that are mad that they can't get 25 kills in the game are angry right now because someone can kill them faster than they used to be able to and i don't really give a shit if you're if you're an apex predator and you're complaining about a free game fuck you like like those people are just ridiculous anyways we've already uh been uh grinding a bunch of uh ranked games made it almost I think I'm over halfway through silver already. So unlike the last season where like I was way late, I only got silver on the first split, barely got in, just made it into gold on the second split. So I got my gold rewards for last season. Uh, this season, like the first night it was out, I played with my buddy Marv and made it almost all the way through bronze, made it into silver. And then, yeah, the other night played with a uh, V and one of our friends, uh, was it Chris? I think it's his real name. And yeah, we were, uh, we were on for like six hours till like four in the morning. Damn. Yeah. Just, Played a bunch, but yeah, I made it like halfway through Silver. So yeah, lots of Apex Legends. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd already played enough of the the Avengers beta that I'm, I I enjoy the Kamala Khan and the Hulk butt smashing. So I don't really need to play the beta this weekend. I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep my pre order just because. Well, I need shit to keep me entertained while I'm sitting around here doing nothing. That's fair. Uh, yeah, reading a bunch of comics. Uh, started uh, rereading uh, the first graphic novel of uh, Top Ten by Alan Moore, which is just a great uh, a cop drama comic book where a world where so many people got superpowers that they end up creating Neop- Neopolis, which is a, a city completely filled with people with superpowers. And the comic book is about the police force where if you have a city where everybody has superpowers and all the cops have superpowers, 
how do those people interact with each other? And it's just a batshit crazy world. Really fun read. And then um, I actually I got me some uh, some uh, wrestling tees from the Pro Wrestling Tee Shop. And so shout out to my buddy uh, Anthony Rutgazer, uh, Kingdom James. I got this one from his store, which, you know, always a good motto. Outlive your enemies. So shout out to my name is Kingdom James on Twitter. Uh, Anthony Rutgazer, writer of the first for Action Labs. And uh, indie pro wrestler badass up there in uh, the Toronto. And then I got me a uh, Patreon in the mail, which came from a Tressa Bolin, which was awesome because uh, I upgraded my Patreon and got to the new level where she sends out a sticker each month. Got a nice little uh, envelope where apparently she found a llama stamp, which is very fitting because no artist that I've ever met is as like addicted to llamas. Like that's just her thing. Like some people like teddy bears. Some people like cats or dogs. Tress is a huge fan of the llama, so <laughs> it's funny that she found a stamp with one on it. Uh, got a card here for uh, Power Girl Mob. With great power comes great perks, which is a webcomic by uh, Tressa and um, Sean Cosley and Julian Lytle. Very cool uh, webcomic. Go check out. The sticker for this month is her character, Draculama. Drama. Don't start none. Won't be none. Is the, the Dracula Lama sucks drama out of people. And then also included was a card that says, thanks for being awesome, for a uh, print she did of the Death Trooper from Rogue One. Uh, let's get that on camera. Yeah, awesome freaking Death Trooper. See, I got that in the mail the other day. It was awesome. New sticker, new Death Trooper print. Good stuff. But other than that, and then also um, I was randomly watching just, you know, random videos on YouTube. I was going through stuff on my computer. And I caught an old uh, CM Punk Phil Brooks interview a while ago, and they were talking about the different projects he's worked on, and like him talking with Batista, and then being friends, talking about you know going into the the world of um, doing movies and stuff post wrestling. And he had mentioned being in a horror film called The Girl on the Third Floor. I'm like, I know I've heard of that shit. And I went and looked; it was on Netflix. It popped up in my queue, and it was just you know a random horror movie, and I didn't recognize anything about it, so I hadn't watched it yet. Did not realize it was Phil Brooks is the star of it. It's not just the star. It's like 85% Phil Brooks. So it's him on camera almost the entire movie. And it's a haunted house movie starring CM Punk. And it's really fucking good. And it took me a minute to realize I couldn't figure out why the fuck he doesn't look like himself. He's cleanly shaved in the entire movie. And honestly, you take out the lip ring and you cleanly shave him. And he looks as weird as fucking Bill Nelson. He looks nothing like fucking CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, man. He looks like that. God, he looks like the <laughs> asshole back there, man. Exactly. He looks like the asshole that in the back asshole. of your house. That bitch there, yeah. Carol Baskin. I mean, Bill Nelson. Exactly. Can we, can we get him for a second? No, we're good. Carol, hold on. I'll be right back. No, no, we're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, CM Punk without the lip ring and cleanly shaved looks nothing. He looks like Phil Brooks, I guess. Like, it threw me off. But yeah, uh, The Girl on the Third Floor, if you haven't seen it, it's streaming on Netflix. Very solid, creepy fucking uh, horror movie. And yeah, it's, it's a haunted house movie. And like, there's only five actors in it total, I think. Like, it's a really small cast of, you know, small budget horror. But yeah, Phil Brooks is a huge horror fan. And bam, he made himself a horror movie and it was good. So yeah, go check that out if you're in the mood for uh, some scary stuff on the Netflix there. Well, that sounds good. Oh, Bill's back. I was just about to ask Willie Nelson what he'd been getting into, yeah. but it looks like we got Bill Nelson. Uh, hold on a second. I was told I was uh, invited back onto the show. and uh, That is incorrect. And, uh, invited and, would be a stretch. And, 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 and slipped about five quarters, and I am pretty sure. So uh, you stuck with me. 
What are you going to buy for five quarters? Oh, no, I ain't giving him a buck twenty-five. Man, you don't know anything about what, what about you can do out in Greensboro. Like a Loch Ness monster from the Paleolithic era. No, man, that's tree fitty. Get it right, you fucking idiot. I said tree fitty. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Willie, for coming back. What are you been getting into, Willie? <laughs> what are you talking about? No one came back nowhere. <sighs> now you see, here's what is going to happen. Is this you the see, crawdad man? You're thinking of Farmer John off the water boy and Joe Dirt probably. That's probably what you're thinking. No, because we're fans of the league, and so we're thinking Crawdad Man. Don't tell us what we're thinking, Bill D. Nelson. Well, well the league, man, we ain't. What, 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 what channels that come on? FX. It comes on Hulu. It's now on Hulu. <laughs> The only Hulu I have goes around my ex-wife's gut, and it don't come down. And it don't hoop? Yeah, you goddamn right it don't. <laughs> I hate my life so much right now. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, here, here, let me do a little bit of movie magic and just so, Willie here. There, you happy, Willie? Really, you happy now? <laughs> the weakest transition ever. <laughs> or. Don't you fucking best. do it. So, Willie, what you been getting into, buddy? Oh, uh, besides making myself look like a toe. What uh, <laughs> uh, was this? An, okay, um, explain. Was this an accident? Was this a uh, a shaving incident? Was it done on purpose to make it easier to wear a mask? Like, why? Yeah, why do you look like an uncooked version of yourself? It was on purpose with pre and post instant regret. <laughs> so, Fair what enough. was the pre regret? You went. I'm going to regret this. He said, no, I knew like I was going to die like And then he man. did it. He said, I look like a toe. So I'm guessing there's a lady that asked you to do it, Willie? No. Was, no. No one, sh- no one tells me to do my hair except me. So the question I have for you is, as someone who has been very attached to their beard, so much so, in fact, that when they lost a bet and were required to cut their beard, they kept a lock of their beard with them afterwards. Why did you decide to shave said Still beard? Still there. It's still up there. You want me to get the beard? No, you no, get the beard? I, I, I'm just more questioning and curious as to why you made the decision that you made to remove your beard. Because we know you're very attached to it. Oh, I mean, the goatee was just, I mean, the beard, I didn't give a shit. I did not care about I wanted that trimmed down. It was getting too long. I like it when it's like uh, about a, a double or triple about, a, you know, day uh, five o'clock shadow. That's what I like. It happens. There's a little too much white right in here. Kind of like there's too much white right about in here in the chest region. No, uh, looks no, like a, no. I'm turning to a goddamn polar bear, man. Uh, that shit ain't Willie, cool. Willie, I'm not going to judge. I got gray going through the chin on my beard now. No, no, no. I don't care about that. Somebody said, hey, that's a cool design you put in there. I was like, thanks, man. Maybe I was born with it. Maybe it's just fucking an aging. And that was dumb. Fabling. Or maybe I'm turning to a goddamn polar bear. Which reminds me, is there any sports teams who are the polar bears that I can uh, High maybe school sports? Be, yes, I don't know of any professional. Be yeah, a mascot because they're not going to let me do that. I don't think they want to <laughs> let you be a mascot at a high school, Willie. I know that's why I'm saying that. I got a restraining order. <laughs> I was going to make a McCona- from the principal. I was going to make a McConaughey from joke. The principal from Dazed and Confused. Not Dazed I know. From the principal. Yeah. Oh, and this episode is also brought to you by a Frappuccino Starbucks edition brown butter caramel. So, other than Don't you shamelessly want that smooth shilling, what else you been getting into, buddy? Drinking this. Hold on a second. <laughs> We're not even getting God paid, guys. God damn, that's good. We're not even getting paid by them. 
<laughs> I'm getting paid by my taste buds. That's all I know. How much does that pay? A good smacking. Mm. And don't worry, Chris, I'll return the good smacking to you, if you know what I mean. Mm. Bachman, you'll get it when you get it. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing some more Fall Guys. Reached level 40, like uh, has been mentioned before. And now I'm just checking the store daily to see what kind of new stuff is in there coming in, going out, repeating. You know the drill. Uh, but still, you know, I mean, hey, humble brag, man. It, I get, I get, I get the W's, man. It happens. Where's your dub, Bachman? You got one, one win, right? All right, so far, right? Mm-hmm. Was that a yes or a no? No, haven't gotten a win yet. I want to make sure the people in the back heard you. That was a yes. Just fucking with you, man. That's mean to me. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize. Thoroughly and thoroughly. Really, I think uh, you're just stupid. That is more than <laughs> fair. But Naki also has zero wins as of my knowledge of right now. Naki doesn't have a PlayStation. Anything. She has a PC, I bet. Yeah, if her PC is the same one from when she was podcasting, I don't think it will support that game. As of my knowledge of before you started talking. I'm sorry. What was I thinking? I apologize, everyone. You act like a time traveling device has been invented and it just happens. It's constantly (laughs) going, man. It's not how it works. But you know when it does? When does Uh it really? August 28th when Bill and Ted face the music comes out. And I am ready. I'm expecting. And I'm going to be pre-ordering. I don't care. It's Keanu Reeves. I already pre-ordered it. And it's also Alex Winter. In fact, you know what? Alex Winter goes first. It's Alex Winter and it's Keanu Reeves. It's Bill and Ted. He's Bill. Yeah, Esquire. Because apparently he's a uh, a lawyer. S. Preston Esquire. Yeah, which means he's a lawyer for some reason. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, sure. That's what that means, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I looked it up because I was curious one time. He was. Then, then why are you asking us this question if you already know the answer? You're trying to trap us. Because I was making sure you guys knew too. Because I wanted to make sure I wasn't just seeing something that was wrong, and I'm just wrong. Which, man, you know, guys, that, come on, man, that happens a lot to me, man. Like I need Ryan this. Reynolds is Batman. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was Naki. <laughs> You're the new Naki, though. You gotta take it. <laughs> hey, man. No one held New Coke responsible. Well. We live in a brand new That's world. That's a deep cut from the 80s. It is. We could have gone Crystal Pepsi, I guess, too, if we wanted good deep cuts. I mean, I've actually had Crystal Pepsi, and Me it too. tastes damn delicious. They even brought it back for a while, but now it's gone. Because Pepsi is better than Coke. He's 100% right. Oh, whoa. What? I am super surprised and super happy. Chris, Chris, look up here. Look at me. Look, look at what you did. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the You're captain still now. The captain. You're still the captain. <laughs> You're the captain now. <laughs> I will never try to take captain from you. <laughs> racist to do that voice of that guy from the movie to try and sound just like him? I hope not. I don't think so, but I'm not the expert judge of that. That's At this fair. point, it's a catchphrase. It's not... Yeah. I don't think it's racist. But when you try... <laughs> if it is, it was unintentional racism. Yeah, I'm just trying to sound. And that's what America's all about. <laughs> I mean, uh, we were just trying to imitate a movie, not necessarily. Well, let's move past every, this before we make I mean, it worse. We're not everyone in America. Let's, let's not, just say let's not double down on our flaws here. Let's move on. Odd assholes. Look at fucking Bill back there. God damn. <laughs> I, hate, I hate Bill Nelson so Everyone much. fucking hates Bill Nelson. He has a fucking used car lot. Is that you your older brother or your little brother, Willie? 
twin. Yeah. <laughs> Who was born first? Who was born first? <sighs> he was born Pecker first and one. <laughs> so you're the little brother. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this explains so much. It's not the size of the tool. It's how you use it. Please continue, Willie, with what you begin. And my talk. tool is not Jesus this, Christ. not that, but it's the tongue, man. You got to have that tongue work, man. You're going, you know what I mean, man? We yeah, can't handle the truth, can you? Thanks, Maggie. You can't handle the truth. That's all it is to it, man. I'm telling you, man. Mm. Be, make him laugh, and the panties will drop faster than Pompeii over a city. Willie, I think you're just stupid. <laughs> I, mean, I can go on like this all day if you want me getting well, better. In fact, you can, you know it. Hold on a second. This I have a someone's someone's calling me right now. Hold on a second. They're telling me I'm right. <laughs> Bell buddy from across the continent. Thank you. You are a bad person. <laughs> Even I will never ever once deny that. Oh, were you done, Chris? I don't kind of stop talking to my stuff. Coming from please. the buttons. Uh, other than that, I started watching House of a Thousand Corpses because I've only watched it when I was a uh, high schooler when I rented the DVD. And when I remember back then, the best part of renting the DVD was the menu of Captain Spaulding come out and saying, what the fuck are you still doing here? It's hilarious. All four minutes of that menu. Uh, watch it with a friend. Uh, we started watching um, Devil's Rejects because I already had three from hell and I don't remember the first two except for, oh my God, we got past the part I hate the most in the Devil's Rejects and that's when Brian Post saying dies hurts every time. Bakken, back me up here. Yeah, I like me some Post saying. I like him. Don't oh, like I, him dying. I just I haven't, seen, him, I haven't oh. seen Thousand Corpses in a long damn time though. I need yeah, to rewatch that. Rain, uh, Rain Wilson's in it. Yeah. Was that pre-office? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, this him and Hardwick. Like, that. that was before either one of them really had a career. Wait, that chubby dude was Hardwick? Yeah, the main lead is Chris Hardwick. Man, yeah. I mean, whatever happened to Hardwick with all the other stuff? Do we remember? I don't remember anything. I just remember hearing something. He had a problematic ex-girlfriend. Fair enough. That's all I need to know. I see you. I hear your tonality, and that's all <laughs> I need to know until later on, not on the show. And, and he she married a rich supermodel. That. So he's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, it's what we all do, man. Come on. It's the plan. I'm done, man. Go on. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Oh, wait. Of course, I played some Mario, Super Mario Party last night with some friends and some Jackbox TV. Uh, ah, Jackbox Party Pack at Jackbox.tv is super fun. And the new one is still coming out with Quiplash 3 and some other new games. I don't remember exact dates to see it, but I can uh, wait just like you can. And I probably won't be able to stream it because my internet sucks. <laughs> Willie out. Bill, you still out? Good. I fucking hate Bill <laughs> Nelson so much. I'm glad Bill's out because we don't like him. We like Willie Nelson. He's our favorite of the Nelsons. I'm the best goddamn toe you ever seen. <laughs> I'm starting to think Willie has a toe fetish because he keeps referring to himself as a toe. Uh, he just knows he looks like a toe. <laughs> nah, I think I'm going the fetish route. <laughs> hey, Willie, say French fried taters. Play this shit off now, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that being said, we thank you for tuning in for this special extended edition of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Please go check out The OZ. You can find it at The OZ Comic on Twitter. It'll be in the show notes, all those other things. We guys, we love it. We're interested in it. David's a great guest. We're looking forward to having him come on again in the future to talk about some of his other upcoming projects. And let's be honest, 
You freaking nailed it on this Kickstarter so far. They got funded in two hours. That's amazing. Yep. Congratulations to everyone involved in that project. And then that being said, we are going to shut this thing down. Friendly reminder, we do stream this show live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over on Geeks.Live, the official streaming home of the Gunna Geek Network. If you're over there right now, you can scroll down to the bottom of the page, see a calendar of all of our upcoming live events. If you want to see some more live content, I believe the next show is the official GunnaGeek.com show on Monday at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time. Before we shut this thing down, you guys have any final thoughts for us? Anything? Outlive your enemies. Yes, I have a defense in my own honor because apparently no one else is going to come for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not a co-fence guy. They're below furries. Thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the All Things Good and Dirty podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over at live.atgnpodcast.com, channel 3 of the Alpha Geek radio app, and over at our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us, atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com, on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN, or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at atgnpodcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com. 